Let's go Eagles, baby. I have a, I have a, shut up. I have Let's a friend go. who's a wrestling fan, so I bought him a shirt. It came up on my Instagram. I sh- and, and it came like a week ago. I was like, F- I should have bought one for Phil. It was just like a bunch of like little guys, like little like figuring guys. Okay. I probably already have. My oh, favorite wow. figure growing up, and I, n- I never really had a lot of them. In fact, I don't think I had any of them. Go my friend's house was, uh, was, uh, uh, um, Chick Snake. No, I'm not even giving any clues. You're talking about the little ones? Uh, what was it? Oh, John Gonzalez. Oh, yeah. He was around for like a year. Yeah. He came in once. The fact that he actually got a figure is pretty remarkable. Yeah. I think he was there for like less than a year. He was great. I don't know why the other day I went down like another. uh, You know, how about this? Hmm? I've got a bone to pick. I went down the rabbit hole. I'm bone apart. No, I fucking went on Wikipedia for 30 seconds. What'd you learn? Uh, Texas Tornado. Oh yeah, what's the the Von the Von Erich? Yeah, Von Erich family. Yeah. They're making a movie about them with uh, Zac Efron is playing. That's how I found uh, out about it. One of the Von. That's Erichs. how I found yeah. out. Well, Texas Tornado, right? He's playing the tornado. No, movie. he's playing. I think he's his playing because there's like four. There were like four. It's a really tragic like family yeah. story. They all killed themselves except for yeah, one. Either, yeah, either killed themselves or got yeah. killed somehow or yeah. So like, Texas Tornado's daughter is still alive, and I think she was a wrestler. Yeah. So what is go? So who's gonna buy? Uh, actually. Let's not step on the content. It's in the doc. I, I, have, a, I have a theory. Don't. Well, the. Shut your mouth. <laughs> Obviously, Trump. <laughs> well, they, Watch, shut, is, that, is that, was that Wedding Crashers? Shut your mouth. Yeah. It's, it's definitely a Will Ferrell something. I don't know what. No, um, old school. Which part? What part? Yeah. You shut your mouth. <laughs> no, you no. Step Brothers, when they're in the uh, interview. Pan. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I think I can land on the whole I got, pan. I got it. Pan. I got it. It's <laughs> going. I like it when he's in the back. Pan. The car, he's in the back of the car when he's. I do that to Hazel. I do that to my kid all the time. Like pan, pan, pan. pan. <laughs> this is so when he's in the back seat of the car yeah. and he's yeah. like, well, "Where do you go to?" I needed someone. Wait, show your mouth. Show your mouth. I think he's had enough here. I needed someone. Wait, show your mouth. <laughs> Dude, I, I love when the mom tells Will Ferrell that, that the Robert, their the new husband, went to John, Johns yeah. Hopkins. Because I smoke, used to smoke weed with the Johnny Hopkins. And who? What was the other guy's name? Johnny Ho- He had another name. Johnny Sloan Hopkins. Ketter. Yeah, Sloan Ketter. <laughs> so um, I watched uh, Anchorman on the plane this weekend for, for some in a long time. It's huh? still fing. Couldn't do. I can never. Um, it's contrarian take, right? That's like, very contrarian and wrong. Is there a right left on these interviews now? Just couldn't get it. And then the second one was just god awful. Well, yeah, I don't know what it was about anything that I couldn't, uh, oh, yeah. I couldn't. Although yeah. the Brink character, Steve Cross character, was not funny at all. Objectively, not funny. I love Lamp was not funny at the time. I agree. It's still not funny. I'm a huge the movie. Girl. The I'm movie's not really fun. Fun. The movie's yeah, not really funny. The movie's not really funny. I almost it. felt Thank the you. same way about Talladega Nights, and then I watched a bunch more times. I'm like, okay, this is yeah. funny. <laughs> well, I feel like comedies need to be rewatched, John, my levels. like multiple times. Yeah, you're gonna miss some layers. But Step, Bro- Step Brothers gets funnier to me. Yeah, yes. that's, that's yeah. just yeah. money yeah. all day long from the from the jump. Did you see what? Put my mic on. Uh, Dewey Cox. No, I, that's one of the. That's one of my favorite underrated. Yeah. But is that a comedy? Oh yeah. Is Blades that, of Glory is an underrated. Sure. Is that Good. Cohen Brothers? Who did? That? I didn't love Blades. Of, uh, it's not it's not lovable, but underrated. What was the uh, what was the basketball one? Uh, uh, Semi Pro. Uh, I didn't like that either. Yeah. It's a lion. Terrible. It's also, yeah, that's bad. Uh. It's a big fat XL. Can uh, you guys? I think I hello? have. I think hello? I have. Uh, hello. Something. Uh-oh. Hello. I'm identifying as fat privilege. I am a shareholder. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> 
Explain. Do you measure that in your cholesterol? So, that's no. Sure. no, if, if big people groan, you just got to let it slide. No, I started picking up on this. Like today's an example. I went to lunch with Chris and Jay. Went to Croton. Um, it just sounds like a fat meal. No, it's not. It's I a, a crouton. It's a, no, he had no, a cheeseburger no, with bacon. A, no, it's a pub. Okay, actually, it's right, I, over I didn't. it's right there. Yeah, I had a salad flunch, Not to brag. All right, shut the f- up. This is like this is important to me. Sorry. So I started picking up on this. Today's a great example. Like I sit down. Uh, we go to the restaurant. Table for four. There's three of us. The two of them just automatically slide into the booth, and I sit by myself. Like there's. It's like an uh, automatic yeah. assumption yeah. that, like, the, the, waiter the, take, the waiter give, take the fourth chair away to give you more space to give the big fella the space that he needs. <laughs> yes, it's like subconsciously happening in both their brains. They didn't talk about it. They weren't like, who wants to sit there? Uh, they just, just both just, yeah. slide yeah. into a booth. It's assumed. I also noticed, like, on air on on airlines, I sit down. There's like no question that I'm taking both armrests. Yes, whoever the person is next to me, whether I know them or not, they don't even they don't even attempt. Well, they don't want you the aisle eat. or window guy. Okay? I'm an aisle guy. Well, they don't want you to eat them. Come on, dick. I don't, <laughs> I don't, he's, not, he's not that fat. I don't mean it like people are being deferential to me. <laughs> they don't want to some, lose their arm. No, they just don't even attempt. Like it's like uh, it's like unsaid, like, all right, this guy's getting this armrest, period. There's no, no other because way they around. think when you look at their arm, it's turning into the meat emoji with the bone. Right. Well, is there a such thing as fat privilege? Well, I, I had a big man experience over, the, over the weekend. Maybe. When I sat down to my seat at the Vikings Giants game. Well, that's a, in Minnesota. A, a very big man. <laughs> you, you wouldn't get fat privilege there. A very, everyone, a very big there. man sat next to me, and I'm like, he's like 6'6", 280. I'm like, oh. What do you do? Daniel, Jones, Daniel Jones' dad. <laughs> I thought you were going to say he wow. It was literally Daniel Jones' dad. Batnick sat next to Daniel Jones' dad the entire game. And no, no only idea. the first half. But I, I want to say that I think I made you the, talk to him? I, yeah, I did. I made. I think I made the game for him. But he's not fat. He's tall. No, he's huge. He's, he's a huge hulking man. He's not fat. Six seven, dude. You no. could be three thirty. Yeah, yeah no. His, oh, so maybe I have tall man privilege. I have tall privilege. You're not big, that tall. Big privilege. You're just, you're, you're husky. Privilege. That's yeah. Big <laughs> that'd be, privilege. That'd be your wrestling name. Is that, 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 that the show name? Is that the show name? Big privilege. I have bald privilege. I was yeah. That would be. That's it. I took Kobe for a haircut the other day, and the the barber goes, "Are you next?" And I took off my hat. I said, "I'm good." What did he just like? What did he say? Oh, I was that? wearing a winter hat. He couldn't tell. Okay, just trying to be polite. Bald nice privilege one. is like you know, there's certain restaurants you go to and they like ask you to remove your hat if you do it, and they're like, no, actually, it's okay. Go back. <laughs> <laughs> we'll make we'll make an exception for you. <laughs> put it back. They bring out some linguini. Put this on. Uh, your head. John, my thing now is completely off. I can't hear myself. Can you guys hear me? Can yeah. I hear myself? I'm good. I think I'm off. Mike, can you do me a favor? I'm uh, off. I can hear the you. The only thing I really didn't digest was the Einhorn. Like, what's the one bullet point on that? He had a great oh, year. That, well, that program. 5,100 basis points of alpha. Let's, let's who, not, did he, who did he quote in the letter? I hate that. I hate that. Mark Twain or Churchill? I hate that it said like that. Uh, Barbara Walters. No, I'm kidding. But Walters, I know. That's what it said. He had a great did it? 51 point. Well, it's, no, well, no. It's oh, that's how you guys I'm just joking. Oh, okay. Here's my favorite quote in the article. Let's not do the content. Stop. I'm not stepping on anything. I'm not stepping on anything. Turn that shit down. <laughs> so he said, the last number of years reminds of us of, of, reminds us of our favorite baseball team for the Field of Dreams. So Shoeless Joe says, the first two were high and tight, so where do you think the next, next one's going to be? Archie Graham said, well, either low and away or in my ear. He's not going to want to load the bases, so look low and away. Right. But watch out for your ear. Remember that line? Like, I, I've never seen Field of Dreams. Like anything. Like, I know. I can't believe I just submitted that on a podcast. What? <laughs> Get out of here. <laughs> 
It's Come bad. on. Yeah. You lose your... That is that is shocking. You're a your child man, of the taking, 90s. I'm taking yeah. your man card away. <laughs> my wife... I'll watch it on the flight home. My wife's older man crush is Costner because of that. Yo, you I ever mean, notice all Doug's stories start with my wife? He's very loyal. Do you have your own... <laughs> she, wor- she works with the firm now. That's right. Shout out to Heather. That's right. We're going to get into that, actually. You guys oh, got your own watch? Uh, we do. Uh, here's the quote he closed the letter with. Do your homework. Choose your battles. Don't whine. And don't be the one who complains about everything. Fight the big fight. Barbara Walters. That's a good quote. Yeah. It's not bad. Apropos. Rest in peace. I didn't realize she was so cool. R.I.P. Well, she just passed, so yeah, it's like yeah. timely. Yeah. Um, I kind of like that. Doug, how was Davos? <laughs> Did you I was anyone? I was one of the snipers. You know who's there? Al, uh, our friend friend of the show, uh, Allison Traeger, is in Davos. Okay, I think Bloomberg sent yeah, her. Yeah, she's an economist. She, she belongs there. Yeah. Like of everyone I know, she's the person that. Are we at there. peak billionaire? Like, are we at the verge of just not giving a f- anymore? You know what they did at Davos that I thought was kind of cool and like very strange? They celebrated the 50th anniversary of hip hop. Hmm. I, I don't know how. Cool. No, they had a. Uh, they had like a sponsored thing, and they like really did. Did, it. did Kanye perform? She wanted to celebrate yesterday. Kanye's the 40th anniversary of it. the Chicken McNugget. Really? Free six pieces if you got the app. It's forty years. Uh, are the Chicken McNuggets forty years old? But is it the nugget itself? Yeah, yeah, yeah you yeah. got you got vintage nugget. <laughs> vintage nugget. <laughs> bring out wait, let's go back. Bring out the eighty. <laughs> bring out the eighty three. Bring so out good. the eighty two nuggets. <laughs> you eat your kids' nuggets. Do I eat them? Yeah. No, Hazel eats her sisters when I. It, uh, it's we, a fight. We do chicken dinos. I usually end up eating half. Uh, Done. Yeah. No, but that's the, no, that's the Purdue. I'm talking about like the Wendy's and the McDonald's. Yeah, like the real, yeah. real no, deal. Yeah. They're getting uh, that tonight. So good. Burger King chicken fries. Never did it. Uh, no. Burger King. There's not a lot of meat. I don't in think there. I've had Burger King. Who in wants like Burger years? King? Nobody. I stand uh, by my assumption. There's something very shady going on with our Burger King. If no. you're eating Burger King, you're in an airport. No. That's the only there's a lot, of Wendy's, no, lot of no, Wendy's in airports. There's, I'll a, there's, a, there's, a, there's yeah. a McDonald's spillover. Our Burger King in Merrick is right next to McDonald's. The only traffic is when McDonald's is too full. Dude, McDonald's has a drive-thru in my town that's backed up onto the main road. They have to reroute traffic around this Yo, McDonald's. Good what for is going good on? For McD- my airport guilty McD- pleasure is McDonald's breakfast. It's the best. It's like breakfast. the only time I allow myself a breakfast burrito. What do you breakfast burrito? burrito? at McDonald's. Oh, they're so good. No McGriddle. No, I'm a McGriddle yeah. guy. The pancakes soaked in syrup. Sausage so and cheese McMuffin, pure play. It's all good. I don't want to hate myself. Afterwards. All good, dude. There's a so Shake Shack pure does play. pure play. Shake Shack does uh, breakfast at really? JFK. It's the S and P five hundred. Really good breakfast. It's really really good. Um, it's the best restaurant in America, and I've been to a lot of good restaurants. Which? I never even thought Shake of McDonald's as a restaurant, but I guess you're right. It probably is, is, it is the best. It is. There's it's nothing America, on the menu I don't like. It's America's favorite restaurant. Yeah. One French fry yeah, will so send you back to yeah. being seven years old so fast. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Just whiff it. Yeah. It's, it's, it's America's favorite restaurant. Love it or hate it. Yep. What's what's second? It's the best. Oh, Chipotle. 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 Taco Bell. Mm, Taco yeah. Bell's amazing, too. Uh, there was a time when there were more Subways than any other chain. They're like the least like they have like the least revenue of any believe it fast food chain though. Subway is gonna go public. Did you know that? What's the ticker? Uh, uh, this is Reuters. F- S Y. Gross. G O F L G R O S. Should be F F L. No F L M G. Footlong. Yeah. F F L. Remember the five dollar footlongs? Now footlongs are seven. Sandwich chain Subway is exploring a sale of its business. This is Reuters. The sale could value the sandwich chain at more than ten billion dollars. The process is an early stage could attract potential corporate buyers and private equity firms. 
Oh, maybe it's not an IPO. Uh, that doesn't need to be posted. No. 37,000 restaurants no. in 100 countries. The right, world's take, largest quick service restaurant. I take brand. Umbridge. The, the, they're not restaurants. Those are stores. You know what it should be? A vending Correct. machine. Why does it even have to be a person? Yeah, robot. <laughs> assemble it. Let's not call them sandwich artists. They taste like a robot. Put them together. Just No, you should I'm a just fan. press keys yeah. on the thing. Yeah. <laughs> and, a, and a robot just makes the sandwich and drops Southwest to the sauce? bottom. Have I haven't you, had it in 10 years, but it is good. Have you had a Wawa hoagie? Oh, yeah. Overrated. What is uh, Wawa? kind of agree. Yeah, what's a Wawa? Yeah. Overrated. Jer- Jersey People gas station no, slash sub. No, I like Wawa. Just eat right better there. than Wawa, right? If you're like one huh? of these people Sheets? that's from Delaware, you think Wawa is like the greatest thing it's, ever? It's South, Jer- it's South Jersey. I like it. More they, than don't have, they don't have it in Flyover Country, by the way. No. It's on the way from Atlantic City. Anyone, we, yeah, anyone in the Philly area. We had one crazy. in Maryland. When I went, I went to mm-hmm. school in Maryland, and they didn't have like regular delis like we know of conventionally. But the school is filled with New York, New Jersey kids. Mm. They don't have boar's head. It's like, what the hell is wrong with this place? So you would go to Wawa to get a sub, and it was like, okay. That's mm-hmm. fine. No, it's fine. No big deal. But Subway is not that far behind. No, but the thing is, Wawa, you could get egg sandwiches anytime. It's just it's Breakfast just, sandwiches yeah, anytime. It's just good. Uh, the donuts yeah, it's all good. and all that stuff. That's yeah. good. We used to buy cold cuts at the supermarket in Maryland at Giant. And the turkey was, I kid you not, it was like coagulated turkey broth <laughs> that they made into <laughs> a ball and then sliced. It's, it's, I mean, I'm sure it's not like that now. This is the 90s. But I, I remember like how, – How turned on our listeners right now? Yeah. No, I remember talking to somebody in New York and just being like, this place is like Mad Max times. I don't know how these people are, are living this way. <laughs> how hard would it be to send a boar's head truck down here once a, once a week? So Publix got boar's head and you had those pub subs. And pub, wait, Publix, Publix got – Like Florida. Yeah, they got boar's head because half of Florida is New Yorkers and we don't put up with anything else. And then you had it, the public subs with the boar head meat. Just boar's head meat. It was, we, I would switch supermarkets if the supermarket stopped carrying Boar's Head cold cuts. Yeah, that's right. So, but that's that's why I have fat privilege. <laughs> All right, how are we doing, guys? Big privilege. We ready to rock and roll? Hold on, what episode is this? 74. 74? 71? 77? Let's go! Ooh. Welcome to The Compound and Friends. All opinions expressed by me... Michael Batnick and our castmates are solely our own opinions and do not reflect the opinion of Ritholtz Wealth Management. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon for any investment decisions. Clients of Ritholtz Wealth Management may maintain positions in the securities discussed in this podcast. Today's show is brought to you by Tropical Bros. If you're watching the YouTube, you might notice that I've got this snazzy, stylish, comfortable teal quarter zip. Who's Tropical Bros? <laughs> Who's Tropical Bros? They make the best Hawaiian shirts in the world. They're breathable. They're just, they're just lovely and delightful. And got news for Animal Spirits fans. We might be, have, we might be cooking up an Animal Spirits uh, Tropical Bros collab. It might be a, a new well design in the works. It just might be. If you are interested in picking up one of these stylish shirts, cordyceps, Hawaiian shirts, go to tropicalbros.com. Cop out of Friends 77. Whoa. Big crowd in the house today. Very excited for today's episode. Two returning fan favorites. Guys, I wrote introductions for you. Or so- somebody wrote these. Phil Huber is the CIO of Savant Wealth Management. 
a multi-billion dollar wealth management firm and author of The Allocator's Edge. Welcome back to the show, Phil. Thanks for having me again. Thrilled to have you. Tell everybody where your accent is from. It's very exotic. That would be a Chicago suburb. Not a boy. Uh, say bags. Can you say the word bags? Bags. There you go. No, don't say it like <laughs> I say it. Say it like you say it. Bags. From Chicago. Bigs. No, what? Bags. Bags. All right. <laughs> All right. Doug Bonaparte is the president and founder of Bonafide Wealth. Not from Chicago. Doug, where are you from? I'm a Florida man. Say bags. Yeah, but where do you really live? I live in Jersey now. That's right. Doug is from New Jersey. He's an independent RIA focused on serving high net worth millennials and author of The Millennial Money Fix. Welcome back, Doug. Thank you. All right. Phil got more applause than you. I don't know why. Uh, Netflix is going to report earnings today, and uh, we're going to get that as we're taping. You're going to do your typical reaction to it? Well, I'm a shareholder, so I'm definitely going to react. Are you in might, the stock might, now? Might overreact, yeah. Okay. What are yeah. you looking for? I don't really – I mean, now that I – this is not the – Price qu- go, this, this, price no, go this, up. This is, this is not the quarter I'm focused on. This is not the what quarter you you're focused on. What are you focused on the next three to five years? Last quarter? I'm, I'm, I'm a long-term investor. No, I mean, we're going we're gonna to get preliminary results of, like, their rollout for the ad services and, like, Latin America and other things, but uh, – we'll The see. expectation is that they'll add four and a half million subs, which would be an acceleration – over two and a half million subs or something. Well, the stock added. just went on a great run. I would be I would be very unsurprised if it fell nine percent right after earnings. Very uh, unsurprised. Wednesday is in their top three shows of all time. I never, I don't get into it. Very good. Loved it. Awesome. Love it. Adam's oh. family thing is it good? Yeah, yeah, it's it's so good. It's uh, what's his name? Tim Burton. Yeah, is involved, he and did it. He did that's it. his wheelhouse. And uh, the little girl that plays the main character is an incredible actress. It's like more comedy or drama. It's no, it's it's everything. It's horror. It's comedy. It's, it's Jenna Ortega. They, she's she's, ama- she's, she's amazing. She's got like a hundred billion Instagram followers. She's huge. Yeah, yeah. And then they went viral. There was an episode where she does this like prom dance the or Wednesday something. Wednesday dance. Uh, I know. The Wednesday she's, dance. She's a scream. It's, so it's a throwback. It's a throwback <laughs> to. It's cool. Adam's it's family. a throwback. The show. To the show family. is not a kids show, but the okay. main characters are teenagers. But it's it's cool. You mm-hmm. can t- take my word for it. I don't usually like stuff like that. Uh, all right. The big thing that happened this week, guys, is that bad news became bad news. That's my big takeaway. We had weaker than expected economic data on a lot of fronts, and stocks are no longer cheering weaker data, like thinking that the Fed will pause. Now, like, stocks don't like bad news. The narrative it should be. The narrative I feel like that's how it should be. Yeah. Narrative it, feel, it feels Correct. good that bad news is bad news again. Last year was weird. Last year was like, oh, man, I hope the, the – I hope the unemployment number misses or something. It was bizarre world. It was bizarre Everything world was for twelve months. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's not. So it's not that anymore. Uh, retail sales were weak. Manufacturing is weak. PMI was weak, and stocks went down, went down, went down. Uh, does that get the Fed's attention? Or no, definitely no, no. not. Not the weak stock enough. Stock market for the last two days. No, I don't think so. Oh, yeah. you mean the data that came in? The data itself. I don't think they're looking at retail sales necessarily. Um, PPI, obviously, sure. Uh, let's quote Nicholas and Jessica Rave from Data Trek. They said, uh, the takeaway from yesterday, take a too low VIX. By the way, VIX was like, like 18 yesterday. Yeah. So you take a too low VIX and an outside move in the 10-year, stirring weak retail sales and a growing belief the Fed needs to pivot and soon, and you get today. The only question that matters now is what happens tomorrow and the next week, month, year. A potential other thing that's going on because the market is – well off the lows. Stocks were down like over 1% today and they're down 30 basis points as of three o'clock. Our friend Chris Sidiel, who does a lot of like market structure volatility stuff, put out a tweet yesterday. Oh no, today. What is dropping the market? Is it real recession fears or the OPEX dynamic we spoke about last year? 
61% of 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 a thousand votes at a regular OPEX dynamic. Let's stipulate that a lot of his voters are probably market structure people and know a lot more about the shit than we do. Well, it's a good thing you brought in two market microstructure there experts today. Yeah, yeah there let's we go. go. Deep on this. But so hold on, just real quick. So Chris Chris did a paper last year and showed over a three-year period. Our back test shows a 15% loss from buying the S&P 500 during OPEX. So we're in one of those weird periods of time where- OPEX for the listeners. Uh, options options expiration, expiration. Which is that, is that the third week of, uh, the third Friday? Um, yep. So there's some funky market dynamics. And guess what? If the market is up 4% over the next week, well, then we could probably safely say it was market, market structure dynamics. Yeah. I would say hard no. Well, we'll find out. I would say the amount of people reacting to market structure dynamics is very small versus the amount of people that are now fearing a recession and carrying out that fear in terms of what they're doing with their portfolios. It's not retail, though. It's like positioning shit, but on a very grand scale. And maybe the options market coincides with that. Maybe it doesn't. But I don't know. I feel like people, I think the recession, uh, the recession meme is picking up steam again. And I don't know. I mean, it's, if if we if we continue to get bad data and the Fed pauses, maybe there'll be a huge stock market rally. Um, but then what? So Lizanne tweeted yesterday or today. Even though retail sales lost momentum heading into t- the end of 2022, they increased by 7.2 percent throughout the entire year, which was the strongest nominal annual gain since 2004. So what are you so what are you telling people when they ask you what what you think of the market, what you think of the, the economy? Yeah, so we, we, as you well know, like we're not tactical market allocators. We're strategic long-term allocators. All right, get the f*** out. Yeah, you don't want me here. Uh, so the the recession thing, it's like the most anticipated recession of all time. Yeah. Everybody's talking about it. I think there was— For over a year. Campbell Harvey, the, the father of the inverted yield curve research, even he said, despite it having a perfect track record of predicting recessions, he's not buying that this time is going to necessarily have the same outcome because in his view— if it becomes this signal that everyone's paying attention to, then people start managing risk around it by making changes to their spending or if you're a corporation, what yeah. you're investing. And so it's almost like, like the, all the preparation and anticipation will probably, you would think, lessen the eventual outcome, whatever that may be. Right. And so I think, you know, again, it, it's last year was a really weird year in so many ways. I think it, it really surprised people that took it on the chin with a big chunk of their fixed income portfolio you know, the, the response now is not to ditch that part of your portfolio. And it's probably surprising coming from a guy who wrote an alternatives book that- uh, well, Let me ask you was, a question. So like, do you get specific questions about what types of alts you're including in allocations and whether or not you think they'll help offset a potential recession? Like are people using alts purely as a way to hedge that possibility or there are other reasons for alts in your portfolio? For, for us, it's mainly looking for different sources of, of diversification that can be complementary to stocks and bonds. And so Is now you, the time to get into chicken nuggets? <laughs> yes. <laughs> so if you look at like, like uh, without um, getting into specifics, like there was a lot of, of different types of alternatives and that's a very broad universe, but there's things that held up relatively well last year, either with like minimal losses or in some cases gains like managed futures had a phenomenal year yeah. you know trend following strategies have there's a lot of research supporting that they tend to do well in inflationary periods you have something like you know anything with floating rate as opposed to fixed so like things like direct lending did did well um so there's a, a lot of different diversifiers out there that can help in years like last year you, you probably shouldn't try to time them and that tends to be what the, well, let me what ask the industry you, let does. me ask you about that isn't the worst time to allocate to a specific type of alt right after it just had a great year like don't alt, – alts don't trend the way asset classes trend. Alts tend to produce big performance and then mean revert. Or do I have that wrong? 
It depends because there's so many different asset classes and strategies. I would say what what, what is common is that you see a year like something like managed futures. We'll stick with that example. Let's th- let's stick with that because I think most of our I think most of our listeners are like aware of like AQR. Yeah, they have a managed futures fund that did really well last year after a lot of tough and, years. And there's yeah. a lot of different managed futures funds and ETFs, etc. And they all did pretty well last year. The challenge is they. It had a rough 2010s. And so people that allocated to the space, you know, post GFC probably gave up on it, you know, in the midst of the bull market of the 2010s and then didn't stick around long enough to reap the benefits right, of in a year like that. So you have to spend the time and education, both as the advisor, understanding where, where does this go in a portfolio? Where do I, how do I size it? How do I properly set expectations with clients? That third and, one and then you really have to, tra- and then you got to translate that to your end client in a very, simple way, which can be really challenging because these are complex strategies and asset classes. So I would say for, for advisors interested in alternatives, you got to be prepared to do the work. You got to go into it knowing that, that you're introducing more complexity. You're introducing things that people aren't used to owning. And you, you can have a really poor experience if you're trying to time them. Well, so maybe I'm overstating this and maybe I'm not being fair, but like my opinion, most advisors they look at ma- managed futures as a category last year, went up, what, 35% or something? Crazy number? Yeah, like I mean, we're, we're talking, yeah, yeah. All right, so that looks great in a back test. And if I'm trying to win business from a, cl- a client who is unhappy with how their advisor did last year, the easiest thing for me to do is bake in a managed futures allocation. That makes my back test look better of the portfolio I'm selling a client in January 2023 as the solution to why they weren't happy last year. But we know, like... If you do that, you'll win the business and you'll probably disappoint the client. Is that is that overstated? Is that fair? I think that's fair. That's why, to, for me, it's it's find within the, the, the broad universe of alternatives. Find the things that you truly have conviction that there is some intuitive risk premium that you're earning over time. Okay. That you, it, that you think can be dependable to be uncorrelated or lowly cor- correlated to stocks and bonds. And just be prepared to hold it through challenging periods. Like there is no silver bullet investment that's going to work in all environments. And the same goes for stocks and bonds. Yeah, we saw that last year. What are you, investments? What right. are you telling Ruby and Hazel in these, uh, with these alts? <laughs> Listen. Their their <laughs> NFT portfolio is down bad, guys. Like my my kids don't trust me with their investments anymore. Right, rightfully so. Okay, so if you so isn't the hardest part about being an advisor and utilizing alts, um, isn't the hardest part like explaining and then re-explaining to clients why you own it through a period where it's not performing? Oh yeah, hundred hundred percent. Okay, and then the second hardest part is we preach diversification. But if you buy like five different alts and they all work against each other, like what is the end result for the portfolio? Like you want to not push and pull your own uh, performance. Absolutely. And I would say like you got to be re- really understand what's under the hood. But like when you look at like I'll just for examples, use the different kind of core alt, alt asset classes that we utilize at Savant. We have, you know, direct lending. We have real assets, catastrophe reinsurance, managed futures, et cetera. Right. None of those things have anything to do with each other. And so I, right. I don't I don't view those as like one's going to do well or, or and be offset by the other one going the other direction. They're, they're different asset classes. They're non-correlated. They're not inversely correlated. Yeah, I think if you were okay. to like, you know, but what, what happens is um, if you look at the universe of like say multi-strategy, like liquid alt mutual funds, a lot of them have a lot of market beta despite having alt in the label. So those those tend to be the ones that people prefer when markets are going up and they look great because they're going up at the same time as stocks yeah. and bonds. Hey, look at this alt. It yeah. also went up. <laughs> exactly. Right. So I think you really, yeah, yeah. but it's a, it's a double edged sword because then the truly uncorrelated stuff, like talk, you talk about, like the stuff Cliff and AQR do, like that gets really tough to hold because the, you, the investors often lack the intuition around 
uh, explaining performance. Well, it's also like in a managed futures fund, you could be short like cotton or sugar and imagine right. explaining that to a client that sugar was a big drag in performance. It's like, what? My short sugar position. Well, I think we're like hardwired to want explanations for performance. Yeah, of like course. We want to be able to explain like, if, okay, if, if stocks were down today, I want my alt to be up, but it's not always going to be up. And it, it's, it can be a frustrating experience. And so, but that, but that's what uncorrelation is. And also now there's an, there's the, there, the need for alternatives has diminished when it's staring us right in the face. It's treasury bills, right? Like you could finally earn some yield in, in, in cash or cash equivalents or short-term bonds. So everyone's all over this, this trade. Uh, there was an article in the journal bonds over stocks that people are finally allocating to stocks. We heard that from Schwab. They said that their client allocations to fixed income was up 66%. Um, year over year, and there's this great chart in the journal, and it makes our job a lot easier, showing the amount of of uh, allocation that you need to have in bonds to own a six and a half percent yield. And say bonds are like the new thing. I stocks. think they're misusing the word yield there. Yeah, but I think, <laughs> I think that's a six and a half percent expected return. Wait, what is like, this? Just uh, expected return for to for to get to a six and a half percent bogey. That's what they're really saying. Right, yeah. and, and it, it, yield should be replaced with expected yeah, return. In 2015. Yeah. It was impossible, right? We know we, that we were pushed out on the risk spectrum. 80 yeah. 20 was the new 60 40. And now 60 40 is the new 60 40. We're back. So, this almost looks like 40 60. I mean, when exactly. You, when, you you do that. when you hear bonds have had their worst year in a century, how are you not like, hmm, maybe, maybe I should buy, right. buy. Treasury bonds just had their worst year ever. In a century, like if you're into scooping up discounts and discounted assets, how is I this? Think people are, I think people are going to get bored with this now that the yields have come. Like the 10-year is what, 3.3 now? It depends mm-hmm. what the stock market does. If stocks go up 10% in the first quarter of the year, <laughs> out of bonds into stocks. This this is a lot. This is a prime last year play. Like, you totally. know, you want to go back and yeah. scoop up those bonds then. They're yeah. probably yeah. less attractive So now. as like a signifier of the new zeitgeist, um, our friends at, you know, Public? Yeah. The no, online. We're, we're okay. So Public just launched. This was this week. Um, They're great. Yeah. Like, so Brooke sent me this. Shout to Brooke. Shout to Public. Uh, they have 3 million members. This is their press release. Began rolling out treasury accounts. Treasury accounts are a new type allowing members, that's what they call their clients, mm-hmm. to invest their cash in U.S. treasury bills that are automatically reinvested at maturity and can be sold at any time. Public's treasury accounts offer members similar flexibility to a high-yield savings account mm-hmm. but are currently offering even higher yields. So basically – not a lot of people understand this, but it's very hard to directly buy treasury bills in a brokerage account. And they – so they – I would guess the typical public member is a young investor. 20-something. So they're marketing treasury bonds to young investors, and that's when you know this is the hot trade of the year, <laughs> right? It is, though. Well, I think it's – Last it's, year it, was it, NFTs. To me, it's a no-brainer. So now it's gone come full circle. <laughs> oh, there's, there's some great cash management services out there for, for folks that want to keep just true FDIC cash. There's – there's, I know what you're going to say. Yeah, there's there's groups like Flourish, Flourish. and Stonecastle that you know are getting. Well, I don't know what these are. What's they, Flourish? They basically allow you to. Um, they work with with different partner banks mm-hmm. to. Do you know them? Um, yeah, we, we've yeah Flourish, Stonecastle. They're, they're they're the two main yeah. ones in the space. But so they can get you the highest yield without having to yeah, switch. Yeah, for, without for moving one, your money around yeah. a bunch. You have one account, but they're they're depositing it at all these different partner banks and and getting these uh, uh, locked in like rates. Not locked in. It's going to fluctuate over time. But right now you can get you know call three and a half to four percent of just FDIC. Covered, you know, cash. No, they're four. They're four one five on the first two hundred fifty thousand dollars on an individual well, account. Including it's a bank account or a brokerage account. High yield. It's a high yield savings. It's a high account. yield savings account. 
high yield savings account. Just like Mar- competes with Marcus, yeah. competes with Amex yeah. and Ally. So the thing is, when you have an account, let, let's just use Marcus as an example. Um, when they get to critical mass or scale, they can just like stop competing, right? Because like mm-hmm. people, it's inertia. People don't move. So what f- companies like Flourish will do is they'll basically work with all these different banks and they'll they'll do it for you behind right. the scenes. They'll well, do it. They'll jack out the FDIC insurance. Just a, you know, here I am. But the point being, like, like not everybody cares that much about FDIC coverage on all their yeah. shorter-term holdings. So to be able to do something like what public's doing is, okay, maybe you got your, you know, emergency savings in cash and then go a step above that for your second tier of liquidity and get a little extra yield. I think that's a really smart, smart idea. That so people are very sensitive to differences in yield. Like, and they will, like, go through a lot of this extra effort. I'm way too lazy to, for any of that. No, <laughs> I don't think so. People don't move. Well, you don't think no, no, they don't. They don't. They don't. You uh, know we're going to talk about this later. Because there's like trillions yeah, of dollars in savings accounts. That's how I know. People don't yeah. move. I, I'm never, it never ceases to amaze me. You know, I was just on the phone with a client yesterday. You know, they're telling me how much cash they have on there. And I'm like, that's in a high yield savings. I don't care which high yield savings right. account. I don't care if it was three, you know, three, four, four, whatever. And they're like, nah, sitting in. Getting yeah. 10 basis points. Point, right. point one. Yeah. That's that's the huge opportunity. Yeah. Like Rather than trying to squeeze out an extra 5, 10 basis points. There's trillions that's, that's of a, dollars. That's a waste of time, especially because these, these rates are going to move all the time. Yeah. Like, just find a place and where the you're banks not are gonna, zero. And the, and the bank, wherever you're doing this, they're going to change their mind multiple times about how much yield they want to bleed out versus keep for themselves. Yes. Right. Like no one's always going to be the highest no, yield provider. That's why provider. Like, just find a provider you like. It, and that gets you materially more than you're getting in your brokerage account, just sitting in like in sweep cash. And it's called yield chasing. It'll be a much better. It's yeah. like a, it's like it's almost like the fire movement. People like, oh, we're gonna chase you and switch banks every day. It's like, no, like tell time. their friends Nobody like died. I'm getting four, I'm getting four point one one. Yeah, that's insanity. <laughs> you know, just it's time for that. Make, make make sure you're not getting zero, and then and yeah, then just get the leading digit. Like, the well, leading digit well right? I'm getting four point one two, and I'd be like, well, your wife's probably cheating on you yeah. while you're doing that shit. <laughs> Let's fight. Your wife, your wife's with her trainer right now. I don't know if you know. So where I, is the line though? There has to be a line, right? There's where no line. Move? No. Where is the line? No. We're going. We don't need no, any line. Two, but, but they're going to. The, the, the differences aren't going to be that, be that big. Yeah, we're, all, it's going to be like ten to twenty basis points. But point some difference. some of them tier it. So like on the first, and we're talking big sums of money. But first two hundred fifty thousand, you get the four one five. But then on the next dollar after that, it drops to two five. So there you got to limit to what they can. Yeah, there you'll open up a different account with a different registration instead of joint like individual, or you'll go check out the other competitor. Um. So I was watching. Uh, CNBC the other day and they had like the Bank of America fund strategy survey and updates on there and it said contrarian play by US stocks I said wow it's a bold move (laughs) wow now now it's a contrarian play so John throw up this chart if you don't mind um, this is wild. They uh, the the net percentage of asset allocators that's saying they are overweight US equities collapsed like collapsed how do you read this negative 40 negative net percentage say they are overweight U.S. equities. This is the fund manager oh, survey. So like, yeah. This is an awful chart. Well, it's well, now now look at look at weird. Look at the prior periods in the early 2000s. Like that was the last big stretch of non-U.S. outperformance. Right. Was mm-hmm. yeah. This looks know, like one, this looks like one of these charts that you will look back on and be like, yeah, that was the time to buy stocks. Or is this something that economic economics is going to put in? No, no, no. This is not. This not a chart no, crime. No. This is not a chart crime. There's nothing criminal. About no, this it. is just. Portfolio strategists prefer bonds now too. Like they're in on the same trade as as everyone else. Yeah. So uh, economists are not budging. So we we had spoken about the possibility of a soft landing, like increasing. Larry Summers was on it this week. Bullard was on it. Economists are still not budging at all. Uh, now they see a probability of a recession at sixty one percent. It was sixty three percent in October. So new new data, but same pessimism. Can I ask you a question? 
isn't this in your best interest career-wise to just predict recession? And if it doesn't happen, nobody will be mad at you? That's what I do. It happens all the time. If you go the other way and you say no recession and there is one. Yeah, imagine being like, an no economist. One's mad. Like an asshole. Imagine being an economist and missing this recession if we get one. Yeah, this is the one that you have to foresee yeah. if you're in that business. There's two pro- there's two problems here. Number one, any time that I'm like actually convict uh, have conviction on something, I'm wrong. So that's how I know. But do you I, have conviction that this I, is going I, to be a recession? I have stated in client meetings that if we're not already in one, we're he- hitting one. And I literally say what you said. Yeah. Nobody, and if I'm wrong, nobody's going to be mad yeah, at me. Yeah, what's the difference? You were being cautious. Smart dog. I feel I feel that way. Good dog. It's such a— No, no, no. But that's— what the, but So, that right. So, so the—, the uh, Why would you not set that expectation? The risk is in the other direction. No, recession. Yeah. Don't worry about recession. And then there's a recession. You, lied you to said me. there was not going to be a recession. And I'm down. Therefore, you're an idiot. Well, then there's You're a, the reason I'm down. Is there yeah. the chance that this is, if it manifests, is it going to be more of a localized recession where, like, right now, all, all the layoffs seem to be happening in tech, but it's not really affecting other it's, parts it's of the job It's going to, and Wait. it's going to happen all at once. It's not going to be this gradual. Will it happen to everything everywhere? No. One month, all of a sudden, we're going to get shocked finally to the downside by— um, by an, a non-farm payroll report. I don't know if that's in August or if that's in February, but that's how it's going to work. It's not going to be, oh, it's gradually trickling. I just don't think so. Dis- What's the relative dis- measure there? Like use 08 as your, like, bar- you know, No, one of these months, they're going to be calling for 150,000 and it's going to be negative 100 and that's when it's going to be game on. You might be right. I disagree. And they're going to be shrieking at the Fed Ooh. on on twit all day. Stop. Uh, yeah. So, all right. So, speaking of screaming at the Fed, so inflation data is rolling over bigly um, across the board. However, well, not across the board, actually, because the chart that I'm showing, I think it's from the Cleveland Fed. Median CPI has not peaked yet, or maybe it has. So, we have core, we have corn purple rolling. Cle- Cleveland there's, Fed there's hasn't too, won a championship in so many, in so, many, in green, so long. Green is just headline, and then median is just median. So what you think we, we, need, we need more variations of CPI. Wait, what, what is this? You've never seen this, the median CPI? Where's eggs? But what what's the significance of median? It's not overweight any one area. Oh, they're it's taking just, all of the yeah, components yeah, and equal weighting yeah, them? Yes. Oh, that's smart. Yeah. So service, like, services, 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 which is what they're worried about, still has not peaked. It's still going up. Mm-hmm. So goods has collapsed, energy has collapsed, but but everything else is still kind of rising. Except for eggs. Except for no uh I can't I can't I can't have it. You don't want to get on it? No. Why is that? A, it, I'm not. I'm. I'm not up to date on why is the egg thing like a running joke? It's not. A, people are like genuinely people love eggs. about egg prices. Eggs are cool. No, you and Ben were talking about eggs on animals. Because everyone's talking about. Yeah, it. it, it, it became. Just, it turns into like a meme. Uh, it was like toilet meme, paper yeah. in the beginning of COVID. Here's, here's, here's my only opinion on eggs. Keep your celery out of my egg salad. What? Oh, egg salad. I was going to say, who eats celery with eggs? Right. Egg salad is just kind of gross. No, egg salad's great. Well, he's not Jewish, so he doesn't. Yeah. Um, I'll go either way. As yeah. a kid, I would never want that in my eggs. Yeah. That's right. I've, I've grown up. Now I'm old. I've grown up. That's like, I could take a crunch. Uh, now I, now I don't like chi- no chicken salad, no, no potato tuna, salad, no, no egg salad. No tuna fish? So, oh, God, no. So, sorry <laughs> to interrupt your, your lunch order, guys. Yeah. Fed officials have signaled they don't expect to cut rates this year. Economists disagree. 51% expect the Fed to start cutting this year, although that is down from 60% in the last survey. Markets are pricing in interest rate cuts this year. Um, pull, pull this table up. So, I'm okay with this. So Q1 2024 is when 
the most people you know expect what? for there to be yeah, the first I think race. That's where I am. I don't think they're going to cut right? this year. They're yeah. just not going to do it unless they get fall, the wheels fall off. I don't think absent a financial crisis. Yeah, they're not going to. I, I'd be surprised because they, they want. Did. They want. Why? Damage. Why do? But why would they? Why do they not want us off the heroin of QE and, and zero interest rate? Why? Do, why do they not want? They, it's that, double that's negative. They, no, that's do what they, they want us off? That's what they want more than anything. I would think. They what they want to be able to. They want to be able to have the U.S. economy grow in an environment where rates are you know three four. No, they're just they need to destroy the economy to make sure that inflation is dead. They need to slay the dragon. I'm trying to give them a reason to like do it. I think the dragon's dead. But my issue is that there's a history of them doing a complete 180 out of nowhere. That's right. May of two May of 2022 last year. Literally, Powell said, we are not actively considering a 75 basis point yeah. rate hike. And then we got four of them right after that. Yeah. Like, no, they were they were telling us when they the weren't going to do 70. Change, sir. Yeah, so, so that, everyone's, well, that's anchoring, why, everyone's anchoring so much to the, that they're saying now that they're not going to stop. Like, that's why they're sure, for, their forecasts. They're not, not going to stop until they do stop. Their own forecasts are worthless. Yeah. They've said they've said as much. They know they are. Can they, I just, they, they 180 all the time. So, so get enough bullets in the chamber while you can. And can I just say for the record, for anyone who's watching this on YouTube, I know this hat is ridiculous. It's a flat brim hat. I know I'm embarrassed. Oh, no, we're not doing it. flat brims any, anymore. What do you mean? I never was. No, but nobody else is now. Yeah, That's okay. over. I stopped, to, I stopped four years ago. You have I, to put a curve in your, in your bill, sir. I oh, well, can I, But you can't, curve, the, you can't curve this. We're just no longer doing that. Good. They were so <laughs> no, dumb. you can't curve it. Flat brims are so uh, dumb. Not right now. Do we're doing those, something. Those devices that you put the brim in? <laughs> yeah. That would actually yeah. 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 Band yeah. Thing. yeah. I did that in Little League. There's a curver? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. It was yeah. a rubber band, right? Yeah. yeah. Some plat- yeah. curved plastic. You didn't yeah. want to, you didn't want to be the kid in the Little League team with the flat brim. No. No, no we're not doing flat brims yeah. anymore. Okay. Uh, what's this from Ben Johnson, Mike? I don't Set know. this up. Oh, here we go. This is a good one. All right. So Ben Johnson is, an, uh, I don't know, he's an investment analyst. He's a yeah, he head of ETF yeah. research at Morningstar. I'm not sure his exact title, but sounds like you're pretty sure. <laughs> yeah, so ben, correct me if I'm wrong. Ben's a great guy. I love, I love, love Ben. ben yeah. um, all right. So he he, uh, he he had a great chart. Uh, year end, 22 numbers are in. Mutual funds had $958 billion in outflows. ETFs had $589 billion in inflows. What so the that, hell is this? That, Tax that, loss that, harvesting. That $1.55 trillion swing in favor of ETFs is the largest ever. So there were people, to, to Phil's point, that were stuck in mutual funds for the reasons that he just oh, stated. they had yeah. big gains And so now years. they switched out. out of their yep. funds and into the ETFs. They were, they were waiting to switch when, when it wasn't going to create a, hit, a big tax. Has anybody problem. been more right about this than Eric Balchunas? Like people are saying that like the bear market was gonna be like a, a boon for active. It's just it's been the exact. No, and the same thing happened exactly. in 08 or nine. That was the, that was the initial. Okay, wave of, like, so the ETF reaction. Adoption. How perverse is this? The reaction to a bear market is even more money out of mutual funds, even more money into ETFs. But theoretically, the bear market is precisely the moment when they should be taking it in flows because that's when their strategy well, is well, here, starts to work. And, and it has been. Active's done well. The challenge there is the, the lines, the lines are blurred though. Money. There are a lot of index mutual funds and like quasi-index mutual funds and there's now more and more that's active or like strategy-based ETFs. So it's it's hard to just look at like ETF, like the wrapper. Yeah, but we could guess, we could guess that the index mutual funds were probably not the most liquidated and category. People are not, no, it's not, sure. it's not yeah. Vanguard index funds that people are. And I, I wonder too, out. like I, they don't break this out by uh, equities versus fixed income, but like fixed income for a long time was hanging in there in terms of flows active. going into active right. uh, relative to equities. 
And I, a lot of big, you know, core core plus funds underperformed the ag last year. And so maybe you're seeing. Well, guess what? It makes sense to be an active theoretically when, when you need to like outperform an index that's yielding one and a half percent. Now, this would be the, the environment for active fixed income managers to demonstrate their value over the next, you know. I tell you something and not to name names. I looked at the biggest active uh, fixed income mutual funds in the world. Like they're doing 2% a year for the last 10 years. Well, it's tough. tough. I mean, what is supposed what's, to? what's the point? Now there might actually be a point. So like, yeah. like I, I like I like an active. This is no disrespect. Like no, no, the no. benchmark is doing nothing either. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm str- so, I'm actually struggling with that a little bit. I've I for a I, long time have always been you know okay with an active manager on the fixed income space. I thought there was opportunities for them to to actually outperform there. In which direction? Like take less credit risk or well, take more credit risk? If you examine like what yeah most. Most active funds over time, this is generalization, but they've basically taken less duration risk, more credit risk is how they like that's added the, that's out. That's the trade. That's been the trade for so long. Yeah. And so – Which is fine because theoretically they should know which credit risk to take. Right. Like that's what you sh- – you should not be paying them to try to outguess what the Fed's going to do. Yeah. It no. should really be like these are – these securities we think are less risky than the market is pricing them at. Right. And that should be where the alpha comes from. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. So that has been the case. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so if all right, but let's let's say there's probably not as much fixed income in this chart. It's probably mostly equities. No, this, no, 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 no. What? No, because there were charts earlier in the year. There was massive outflows out of active. But again, and, and uh, some of that could go the other direction. Like, so you think that's a big factor? Yes, I do. There could also be situations where, like, sometimes people want to swap back into the things that they lost harvested once they get past the wash sale period. So maybe they have a bond fund they like that's active, but they went into. BND or something like that, and then they're going to swap back out. If, if you left the fund later. and now are in an ETF, I don't think there's any going back. So you sell Double Line in December, or you sell Pimco, yeah, whatever, or it whatever. Is. You wait the thirty-one plus. Days go into and- v- Vanguard bond, aggregate bond. Go into BND. Mm-hmm. Thirty days, thirty-one days, buy back. Yeah, you avoid the wash sale. And I'm if with you, you. If you. If you like the manager still, you go back. Yeah. If you Nobody's don't, doing no. that. The idea of taxes harvesting and bonds is very weird. I can get whatever well, I want. Yeah. People, people aren't used to taxes yeah, harvesting and bonds. There are no losses in bonds. Yeah, like the losses were always Forever. so minimal. So, yeah. And to your point about like the 10-year period of like 2% you know, returns, like there's a lot of endpoint bias there. Like when you're measuring a 10-year yeah, period that just saw 15% mm. decline, that's going to have a huge impact on that, that long-term number. I am known for my endpoint bias. <laughs> I think that's, well, your end point, that's been well established. <laughs> the the bet is duration, and any there's ETFs out there that can you know do whatever you want. What do you mean? What do you mean by that? Say more. Um, you know, figuring out what the the guess around the Fed. You know, when when is when are rates gonna you know either stop going up and come down and. Yeah, if we knew, it would make our lives a lot easier. Well, it's a bet, you yeah. know, but um, what I'm, my point is there, there's a fixed income ETF to do almost anything you, you want it to do. Yeah. But if you want an active manager, yeah, you can go. Oh, right. It. They have like the tar- they have the target yield. They have target date. They Ultra have- short, mega short, you know, yeah, 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 yeah. it's all it's, out it's there. It's been sliced and diced in every which You can way get whatever you want. So yeah. why would you ever go back to the fund wrapper? Well, because you well, want somebody else to do the yeah, yeah, yeah. Not, not a lot of advisors want to make you, all those decisions on their own. Yeah. Unless you want active management. And if you're saying, hey, I want active, you got to go for the fund. Uh, if your financial advisor has really strong views on timing the interest rate market, <laughs> I feel like maybe you should consider getting a consultation somewhere else, yeah. right? Just, well, just a well, thought. Hold on, let me play devil's advocate so, on that. I'm a certified financial planner, and also I can predict 
No. The, and, I, the, and I also I could hate predict tweet central, the Fed central bank activities five years from now. Yeah. What if you took the Fed at their word in the beginning of uh, 2022 that, you know, Jerome Powell saying, we're going to we're going to hike up rates. Yeah, yeah. You took him at his word. I took him at his word. And I'm like, okay, let's kind of maybe lower. That was great. That was great. Maybe lower. Maybe lower duration. Well, no, no, no. They were late to the game. Virtually the entire time. I bet you time. we lowered duration before you did. Listen, <laughs> Batnick. I bet no, Batnick was I, on that shit. I'm telling you. Listen, like, I don't know if we, something, something. Your wife, you know. Yeah, yeah. Got it. You shouldn't uh, be trying to outguess an institution that they themselves don't know what they're going to be doing. Three yeah, months no, from now. No, but I'm skating to where the puck is going. <laughs> oh, that's what you're and, supposed and, to be doing. Uh, <laughs> right. but, but Phil, to your point, like e- even if I even if I, I I did make that call, but I have a problem. Not now. to brag. Not to brag, but I got to get it right now, the other way around, and and that's really. Uh, really while we're hard. on the interest rate discussion today, double downgrade I like for this. Charles Schwab. That's a good call. This is very rare. Wait. Uh, Bank of America Securities, which is what we used to call Merrill Lynch, double downgraded Schwab. Double downgrade is like you cut your rating and you punch the CEO in the face. <laughs> you never heard of, No, it's like you go from buy, you skip neutral, you go right to sell. Dick fold vibes. What was, the, what was the rationale? B of A Securities on Thursday announced a rare <laughs> double downgrade. It's like a triple Lindy. Uh, a rare double downgrade of Charles Schwab as the online broker stock fell sharply for the second straight day after its quarterly results. B of A cut its rating to underperform from buy, skipping the neutral rating and slashed its price target to 75 from 92. Um, let me tell you the reason why. I know what you just asked me. Uh, because about yeah. 60% of Schwab's revenue stems from interest rate-sensitive fee streams, analyst Craig Sigenthaler said, quote, it's arguably the biggest beneficiary of higher interest rates across diversified financials, end quote, but the company now faces balance sheet shrinkage as clients take part in cash sorting by pulling deposits out of Schwab and putting money into higher yielding money market funds and bond funds. Schwab was in the pool. Let me finish this. Slower interest rate hikes by the U.S. Federal Reserve will also translate to, quote, a declining tailwind for Schwab. So basically they're saying that clients are going to start shopping for higher rates um, and that puts 60% of Schwab's revenue, I I guess, in, in jeopardy. Don't think that makes sense? Again, I, I'm a bad candidate to answer this question because I just don't know people who are aggressively shopping for higher rates. No, 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 no. That's not what they're saying. They're going to take money out of their sweep account and put it into money market funds or high yield stuff. Don't you think the people that were going to do that have already done that? Mm. You think they're going to en masse all of a sudden start being like, I don't like the interest rate on the Schwab. Well, no, we're, we're, we're the ones to do that. Yeah. There, there's know. such inertia there. That, yeah. yeah, That's my opinion. Like they have to be informed of their options. By yeah, but this guy other, didn't cut yeah. it to a neutral. This guy went to a sell. Maybe he's just a dick. I don't know. Or underperformed, which means sell. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I, I just, I, my feeling is that people don't just all of a sudden all yeah. do that at once. So what are we talking about here? No, I don't know. He's right. Like you got, you got to be in on the know. Someone's got to like tip you off the fact. Hey, you got this cash sitting in your sweep account. Now you got to go over to the Fidelity Money Market Fund or the Schwab Fund and yeah. go get your three and a half percent. So we're one of the advisory firms that like actively yeah. is sweeping cash. Yeah, but that's not every firm. No, it should it should be. It's, yeah, it's just the right most, thing to do. I think most advisors are. Yeah, yeah. I, I, is, I that think t- is that is that now table stakes I to like be so. very aggressively managing clients' so. cash balance? I don't want to be in a, ever in the position where there's a big chunk of change sitting in a sweep account getting zilch, yeah. you know. Yeah. And I can go. That's get just a, it's four an easy, immediate value add opportunity. Yeah. 100%. You, if it, if a client ever asks you and you didn't do it, 
you look really bad. For clients ever like, what is my cash? No, the and only you're defense like zero, is and the they only, go, why? The only I think it's not a bad. There's a bad defense is we were we're how's that you're you're waiting for enough to put the money to work. That's not a defense. It's, that's how right, but you can't do that for a year. Right, right, right. right. Mm -hmm. uh, you know what yeah, I mean? Like yeah. you can't be like. And even if you're waiting, you can still park yeah, it in like saying, a yeah, money market yeah, fund. Yeah, or that something. can turn into like, a bad yeah. look. Right? That's right. the other thing. It's not a CD. It's a money market right. fund. Yeah. There's liquidity. You could buy and sell that the same day if you needed to. Uh, all right, I thought I thought that was interesting. The rare double downgrade. Uh, can we do some SBF stuff? Doug, Doug is a um, has Titus linked to him on uh, abnormal his returns yet with his stack is stack lit. <laughs> Doug is a Bitcoin billionaire. I don't know if a lot of people know that. No, you're you're a Bitcoin. You own Bitcoin. You're I not own, a Bitcoin guy. I'm an early adopter, and I own Bitcoin. Okay, is it early enough that the wipeout didn't like take all of your gains? 20, How, 2013. Oh, you're fine. I'm good. What do you own it? At? 50 cents? $300. $300. Okay. You're, you're fine this week. But I mind. Put respect on it. I mind it. I didn't buy it. I, I, but yeah. Fair enough. It's cool. Nerd stuff. Um, did you mind it using clean energy? We use your <laughs> Xbox. <laughs> uh, I put my kids on a giant hamster wheel. All right. So there was this whole tweet thread from Bill Ackman about like why oh yeah. he was – he wasn't sticking up for SBF. He was just like, hey, let's not condemn this guy. He's innocent until proven guilty. Ugh. And then he doubled down on it. And yeah. I think a lot of people were like, dude, what is wrong with you? What is there to gain from it? <laughs> well, he came out with his explanation and I, I read the whole thing and I thought it was pretty I thought it was pretty good. I'm not gonna we're not gonna scroll through all the tweets. Um this why do we pull up this one in particular? Because why not? No, all the way out, other way, other no, other way, other way, other way. That's all the way up. No, it's not. Oh. <laughs> oh my God, this is quite the thing. Many have expressed surprise about my interest in the FTX situation and my openness to the possibility that SBF may be telling the truth as I have no economic interest or relationship with any of the parties. Perhaps some background. And then he tells this great story. 20 years ago, he was like putting out, uh, he was selling MBIA, which was like a mortgage uh, bond situation. And he was basically made the case that it, they were engaged in fraudulent activity, and he got his he got his ass kicked by uh, Elliot, Elliot Spitzer, and they investigated him. And he was telling a story about how, like, because he was in the newspapers, like people were pulling their kids away from his kids at school. So he's just like, I know what it's like to be wrongly accused of something, and maybe. Maybe he's being correctly accused, but like that's wanna, what that's what court is for. I thought this was reasonable. He's just I, I agree. I, I haven't read great. the whole thing. I'm sure. No, he's just saying like 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 rule of law type shit. Like yeah, he's not saying that Sam Citizen. I just, just saying, don't like, know like why like why go out of your well, way? Go, why yeah. hang Look, your hat why, on this one yeah. then? That's, that, well, yeah. the, so why that's, was this your moment to yeah. use your story as a yeah. way to say that's, hey, let that's the, the one thing I would work. That's the one thing. Well, for the content. Everyone's in the content exactly. business. Thirst, man. It was pure <laughs> yeah. thirst. Well, if he comments on some like uh, alleged criminal that no one's ever heard of. Bill got nobody's... thirsty that day, <laughs> went to Twitter, and and, now and, he's and chose SBF, you know, to tell this story. Hey, wait, hold on, hold on. It is often years before a case is finally decided. The accused are owed the presumption of innocence during this period. And from a personal perspective, it sucks. You are treated like a crook. I remember the other parents pulling their children away from me and my daughter at nursery school drop off when the Spitzer news about me dropped. I will never forget. And I was lucky as I had the resources to hire good lawyers and defend myself. The way that story ended is that MBIA like was a fraud. Bankrupt, yeah. And I think 
he uh I don't think Spitzer apologized to him, but somebody apologized to him that was investigating him or something. But these are apples and oranges. That's almost like you got the AG and, right. and professionals. Like, you're going to apply that to SPF and all the stuff we got out yeah. of this. That's, Absolutely. Uh, that part is rough. You're right. Why? I mean, it's just apples to bananas. Who wrote this? You know how there were people who supported Dahmer in jail? <laughs> Gives me those. Was that you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh it's weird that he chose this one because this kid very obviously yeah. created a hedge fund and then allowed the hedge fund to suck all the money out I'm, of I'm out tired of, of being gaslit. You know, like, stop it. This one's like, this one's like ob it. obvious. Yes. Yeah. Uh, stop it. You think O'Leary's sending letters to SBF? He's worse on fan, this. Fan mail? He's worse on oh, this. Oh, okay. yeah. Why? He's not, Kevin's not defending SBF anymore. Not anymore. Kevin's saying I got robbed. Uh, up front. Yeah. At the beginning. At the beginning, I didn't like it. At they, the beginning, he... At the be uh, so did, so did uh, Scaramucci. I think there was so there was like a shock because this is not like an internet scam with a Nigerian prince. They like they hung out with this kid. They <sighs> took Scaramucci him on. just did a whole podcast with Ted Seides. Uh, oh, I got to listen this week to that. where he talked about the wait, whole wait. situation at very great length and detail. It was actually like a, a good interview. So I think they were in shock because they uh, went on like business trips with this the young man. Mm -hmm. They went to like Dubai all, with all over the place. Wait, wait, So after, after Madoff, after 2020 to 2022, if there's any lesson I've learned, it's stop being shocked at crazy shit that's going on. But nobody out. thinks that they're in business with Bernie Madoff. You would not, you would never do business with anyone again Fine. if your baseline expectation was I'm in business with somebody who theoretically could steal $50 billion. It's impossible to imagine. You want to be shocked over how much money you just got defrauded out of, by all means, yeah, I'd be I'd be in shock too. I can't really, I can't relate to that. So on, but that, I don't, on that note, sure. I don't think anyone, even the people that are saying he has the right to a trial, blah, blah, blah. I don't think anyone thinks he's innocent. Well, didn't they indict him today? Did you just ask for the check? Another water. Oh, uh, all right. We have 5,000 <laughs> of them. Please. We have I, was five I was trying to be discreet. I, I think, but I think, they, I think they indicted him for uh, defrauding uh, FTX investors today. Who? Uh, Sam. Oh, good. <laughs> no shit. <laughs> yeah, no shit. Um, this is my favorite story of 2022. David Einhorn uh, had a huge comeback last year. And maybe not like making as much money as he probably used to make because his fund is shrunk. But I love that this happened. And I want to go through this a little bit with you guys. What was his 2020 and 2021 like? Horrible. Yeah. Everything's horrible. Well, no, I think in 21 he made money. But like... 2015 was when he started talking about the bubble basket and then mm -hmm. fan mag became a thing. A little bit, little bit early. Yeah. I think his peak was 2014 and yeah. then it's all started to go wrong in 2015. Um, last year, Greenlight Capital did 42% growth, growth of fees and 36% net of fees for Incredible. 2022, which is amazing. Uh, one of their best years ever. And uh, I just want to read a couple of things from this and then hear what you guys think. I like the formatting of this in the deck. The real story of the year is 51 points of alpha. I had 52, not to brag. Mm. To put that into context, in our worst year, 2018, we had negative 29 points of alpha. In 2001, our prior best alpha year, we had 43 points of alpha. Phil, can you explain when they say points of alpha, what they're really saying and why that's so important for the end investors in hedge funds? Yeah, I mean, that, that's why a lot of investors are seeking out hedge funds. They want better than market performance, especially from a a, a long, short equity type fund that, that should over time uh, outperform the market. And so that's very important to them. And so that's what, what they're measuring is just how much did they deliver relative to if what, what the S&P If you're an institutional investor— like why, why, why would you pay 2 and 20 to a stock picker if you didn't think you were going to get 
some material degree. Of- but if you're if you're an institutional investor or a family office and you allocate it to David Einhorn, and in 2021 he just bought the Qs on on triple leverage, you still made a lot of money. Do you really care that it wasn't alpha? Like, does that really matter? Yeah, because you, I mean, if you're paying a lot of money, you shouldn't be overpaying for beta. Right. So and just so okay. That, I mean, I've I've never. So the returns aren't necessarily the returns in the eyes of the end client. It dep- I'm sure there's some that, that that sort of just like look at it that way. Others are gonna, you know, if you're paying a decent amount of money for some kind of investment, you want to make sure that what you're getting is not something that you could acquire very cheaply elsewhere without paying the twenty. Yeah. Okay. This is uh, this is David. 2022 was an exceptionally good year in many ways, our best ever, and is most comparable to 2001, the year after the last tech bubble popped. Before going into the glorious details, let us simply say. We are probably not as smart as we appeared in 2022, but we are probably uh, not as dumb as we appeared in 2018 either. The market environment, as we have been highlighting, turned extremely favorable for our strategy in a period that immediately followed one that was extremely unfavorable for our strategy. That's the most legit performance explanation from any fund manager I've ever read. Yeah, and I think with with something like long-short equity, like – not in addition to just like how they're doing relative to like a, a benchmark like the S and P, like you got to understand like what are their intentional or unintentional like factor exposures to it? Because like ideally, if it's true alpha, it's, it should be coming from security selection. Like if they're just overweighting value stocks, you can go buy a value ETF. Right. You know what I mean? So it's it's not about just like alpha is not just like my return minus what the S and P did. Right. You have to kind of neutralize some of those other things. It's the source of the there. return and the way the return was earned. Right. And there are people that pay very close attention yeah. to that. And that's what real, you know, real alpha is very, very rare. Um, there's been a lot of research on this. There's tons of competitions in the in, in the hedge fund world. Uh, a lot of alpha was made in the early days, and then it got arbed, a lot of strategies got kind of arbed away. Right. So there, there's still some valuable hedge fund type strategies. It's just that the, 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 like kind of pure alpha, it can be very fleeting um, and it can be all over the place. Like you're, no one's no one's getting it year in year out. So it's very. I think it's a very tough space to allocate to. So AUM for Greenlight in 2014 was 12 billion, which I think was the peak. Uh, it's 1.4 billion right now. 1.4. It's one of the most incredible. Oh wow. Sto- uh, that's why I love this story so much. Think about what this guy has been through. I want to mm-hmm. read this really quickly. We are grateful to those of you who have stuck with us. We are pleased to be able to reward you with a good year, in what for most was a difficult environment. We have learned a lot in this period and hope to continue to reward you. However, most did not stick with us, and understandably so. <laughs> and to those sell, people. The results for a sustained period were unattractive. For us, it was challenging to remain disciplined. Some have called us stubborn by refusing to make investments that didn't make sense to us. Most Many investors that have historically had a value bent either adapted, retired, or went out of business. Value investing as an industry is unlikely to ever fully recover. The outflows into passive and other strategies were debilitating. Uh, prospectively, we think this is a positive for our strategy. We face much less but, competition. But, he, but here's the thing, and I'm happy for him too and his investors. By the way, he said he's cumulatively earned $5.2 billion. For By the way, dude, 36% net of fees. Which is incredible. $5.2 billion cumulatively. Um, how do you stick with, with, with that performance since 2015? It was horrible. Like, 
And all credit to him, he never sh shut down and started up another one. Well, nobody, stu nobody stuck with it yeah. because if the fund is 1.4, how much of that is his He's money? He's over his high watermark finally, yeah. but- Which is a bit surprising because a lot of hedge funds like just converted into yeah, family offices. Just and, shut and it down. But, but the brain damage to stick with that year after year after yeah. year, that is a long time. How about his employees who stuck with him? Right. That takes oh, yeah. balls. Yeah. Like, how do you explain no performance, no carry? Right. How do, like, you have a wife, you have kids- you, if you work there, let's assume you live in Manhattan, your kids are at Horace Mann or some ridiculous mm -hmm. place and you, the expectation is Ivy League. Um, you know what it costs to keep a car in Manhattan? <laughs> like, so think about the guts that it took. Like, if he has people that stuck with him through this whole period, like, they should be like, yeah. he should be forever grateful. Big cash bonuses. Baby. I hope they got a nice investment. So here's the there. question. So here's the question. Like $11 billion left. And understandably, and he even says understandably, down to his would, you take, would you take any of them back if, if, if you're a green light? Would you take these, anyone that left, would you take their money back? Yeah, you can, everyone gets a second chance. Really? You'd feel that way? Say, I mean, if you're trying to grow the business. I know still, you wouldn't. Oh, no. Well, okay. <laughs> oh, well, I, would be, I would be stapling the, the, the fucking Q1 letter or Q4 letter. Yeah, I would be stapling broad, it to the front of their broad, house. Broad, broad brush. You know, there's a lot of stories and reasons and friends. And we call me a broad brush. You're the broadest brush. Okay, go on. Um, it's the title for the show. Yeah. So broad somebody brush. was like, hey, uh, David, congratulations. Sorry I gave up on you. You really are the GOAT. I'm and sure there are plenty of examples here's where- Here's $300 million. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, give, maybe maybe give him a different share class that locks him up for like five years. Yeah, he should have like a he should have like a share class for for cowards. Yeah, C class, <laughs> C class. Yeah. <laughs> no, I don't, I don't think I would take even a dollar of a bath from anyone, no matter no. how how heartwarming or not heartwarming, but no matter the story. What's the story? You um, bailed. You bailed on me. My kid has. I have to pay tuition at Horace no, Mann. Dude, that's not the people pulling money out. I know, but I would imagine. You wouldn't say no to everything. Uh, you know what he should have done? Here's some my, my advice for a billionaire. Mm. Uh, <laughs> instead of flirting with maybe buying the Mets, he should have just bought an insurance company. And I know they started an insurance subsidiary or something. Yeah. Should have actually bought like a, a property casual when he was at 14 mm. or 12 billion. Also, a lot of that $14 billion, whatever was, was, was institutional money. It's not just like high net worth investors. Right. No, most mm -hmm. of it is probably institutional. Yeah. Well, so and, they, and institute, I mean, they're they're like like everybody notorious for bad hiring, firing decisions. Right. So All right. to your point, easier to like have those feelings about an institution than individuals. I think if you had lived through that as the the manager, yeah. you might feel differently about letting people back in. I know it's business, not personal, but everything's personal. Yeah. So anyway. All right. Let's talk about wrestling. WWE oh, yes, is up for, for sale. Um, you're like a wrestling fanatic. Yeah. Is that overstating that. it? No, that's probably understating it. Understating it. <laughs> <laughs> say more. Go oh, on. <laughs> Look behind you. You have a, a Goldberg action figure that I brought here last time it's I was on this, the show. It's part of the set now. Uh, no, it's been a, a big part of my life. Did you bring that a, here because it's the only Jewish wrestler? <laughs> that's what I gave to Batman. Okay. I think I got you, John right, Cena, because we'll of the hip-hop uh, we'll connection. We'll but, take it. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, since I was a little kid, just like a big part of my life, I was always fanatical about it. But yeah, it was like the news. So Vince McMahon kind of wrestled his way uh, back into the company. Yeah. I don't know if you saw that. Like he left pretty— uh, The stock the stock collapsed. He came back. He's, He's going to sell it. years old. No, well, stock's been ripping. But yeah, it was time for him to go away. And there was, you know— like external reasons as to why they were they kind of forced him out. He had a me, he had like a me too thing going on of, or a lot something. Of, a lot of NBA it was stuff it, it was a, a hush money. They don't like paid that. Out, yeah, yeah to, like to that. several women, yeah. but he is still the largest shareholder. So he he worked his way back into the company. 
uh, and, and and intentionally with the idea of looking to to sell it or, or somewhere. So, so I don't believe that he'll go away. Well, I, I think I, I think anyone he sells it to, the contingency is going to be like, I'm not leaving though. Right, and that's that's the worry is that pe- he's going to sell it to probably the wrong bidder who was willing to put him back in charge when no one really wants. He's going to sell it to somebody in Saudi Arabia that like. Well, that was the rumor last week. Well, but the, but Nick Nick Khan, the CEO, was it, on Bill Simmons, that was yeah, that that got, that got debuffed. But like that was. I, but I, wasn't, wasn't my, my heart almost dropped when I was on Twitter like last week and I saw that they might be selling to the. the I, Saudi, I thought uh, I, I thought that was actually what's going on but here. But the but the Saudis, if they buy it, they don't care about him like. Uh, Hooking up with girls and signing NDA, like they they don't care. They no. bring back the iron. But so the, sheet. from the creative point of view, that, wasn't, that, they as a fan, I worry about the creative. Like the creative improved, improved after him. he left. Right. Uh, Triple, H, Triple H, yeah. who's his son-in-law, was yeah. in charge. The product got a lot better, and it was it was like kind of one of those things. Like like Vince McMahon, like total visionary, was a creative genius. I think he lost a step or two in, in recent years. He's, yeah. he's, he's, a, he's an older guy. So how did he get back in if things were getting better? Well, he said, Majority he says, he said I'm back. I'm back. This is my company. Yeah, so, so I think the most natural— He basically stated he was coming in to, to help them with their rights renegotiations and to look for a strategic— Sorry, when did he leave? Six months uh, this ago. This was, yeah, about six months ago. So I think, I think the, the obvious buyer, potentially, is Amazon. I think the most obvious is Comcast. I mean, they're— Why Comcast? All of their content is on Peacock. Okay. So they have a big relationship there. Monday Night Raw is on USA, which is you know owned by Comcast as well. So that yeah. that's but there's plenty of potential. But I, th- I said Amazon because they're getting in, they're obviously very active with the NFL right now, and there's such a huge premium for live entertainment. Yeah, I, and I think it's it's a very unique form of entertainment that's really hard to compete with, and you have such a loyal fan base. Like I think I think it's a very very valuable piece of intellectual property, much like a you know who Marvel or Star WWE? Wars or whatever it is. Trump rallies. <laughs> Same energy, same same fans. What's I, I dispute market? that. Okay, what's the, I, I what's know the, you would. What's the market cap? No, if you put a Trump rally on uh, up against uh, what's WWE's biggest event, SummerSlam, WrestleMania. WrestleMania, WrestleMania. You know this, come on. I'm pretty sure, like you would hurt the ratings. No, no, you don't think so. I don't. I don't. I don't think so. Absolutely oh, not. I'll, I'll just, I'll just, go, I'll just kids, go back kids, and shut kids. the f- up now. <laughs> kids love this. Shit, I took man. my I took my kid a few years ago to a WWE event at, at Barclays. Awesome. Holy shit! It was incredible. Yeah, yeah. And Just, I didn't know any of the all the rest. Like my wrestlers uh, are all dead and in jail. Um, but like the the fanaticism in the crowd was yeah. amazing. It, there are no sporting events where people are this nuts. Right, and that there's such maybe value college, to that brand maybe college to have all that content history that you can go back and archive and watch the old. It's just very rich so, content library. A lot of great like merchandise is insane. Like I, I think I mean it, it's a, I I do worry though that any buyer is gonna over time mess too much with the product. How big of a business is this? So I was gonna say just to give us a, a sense of the scope of this versus like the NBA. So the Phoenix Suns, which are like a definitely mid to top tier franchise, just in terms of proximity to. Uh, the West Coast and the city, and they, uh, the Suns just sold for four billion dollars. W. That's well, obviously the Suns are one one team, one out of one teams. teams. The WWE has a market cap of six point six. That seems undervalued. Seems, but so, I don't know what the financial. I don't know what the financials are. Is it? I think they had their best year ever. Uh, they did in twenty twenty two, and the the int- what's what's they awesome? A bill- they do a billion dollars in annual revenue. Is that the number? I think it might be. Sounds, sounds yeah. right. Yeah, it do sounds they, right. So the Phoenix, the Phoenix Suns are not doing a billion dollars no, a year. And, and, and like, right like any sport, there's an off-season. They did like, one threat. Wrestling is year-round. There is no off-season. And so as a fan, like, there's no waiting for the next season to come back. Where they're like, It's annual. Yeah. Do, it, do it, they still do the Divas show? No, they do not. Oh, okay. Uh, you like lady wrestlers? 
No, I'm saying like, is that that show is great? You're gonna get him in trouble at home. Yeah, yeah no, no. I, right. I watched it with Heather. Who we do you? Who else? Show. Who else is on the? Is it could be a buyer? It's There's not gonna be Apple. Rumors. It's not gonna be Disney. You know, FTX. Disney was rumored actually. They're out there. I, th- I, think, out I, mean, there. I think I don't. I think it would make sense. Their out. content's probably a tad raunchy for yeah. like the more family yeah. friendly. Yeah. Stuff there are a lot of does. private equity firms that are big enough to do this. People are saying Endeavor might be interested. I would love nothing Endeavor more than to see owns, The Rock. Uh, and, you have to say. I'd like to see The Rock and like one of his PE. So it's Ari Emanuel. Owns UFC. This would be a natural thing to slide in yeah, next to it. They've been rumored. Are they big enough? I guess they could b- borrow some money. They could borrow money. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, they could get. They could get backing to do it. The, to, for, the right for, for anything to work, you have to keep the wrestling people in charge. You right. can't put like normal TV, like Hollywood entertainment people, in charge of the right. content and the creative because they don't understand the business and they would they would ruin it. What would they? Why they would like do too much playing up storylines and not enough of the actual? No, sport? It, it's just it's just such a different dynamic than like like producing a you know a sitcom or a, or a drama on TV. It's just like you've got fans there that are this source of feedback every night. So like things change on the fly. Like plans change in terms of which wrestlers are getting pushed or oh wow. you know, pushed up or down based on on crowd response. You, you, and all these you things. think you, you throwing your hat in the ring? You think you could do it up for the job? Why do I wait? Why do I feel like it's the same? Uh, the same people on top as were on top 10 years ago, like Roman Reigns, Brock Lesnar. I've been hearing these same names for maybe 15 years. The ones that become the, the, me- like, the, ones that the, become the mega stars are, they, they do stay at the top for a while. Like Cena was on top forever, but he's pretty much right. gone now. He'll come back like once a year, maybe something like that. Brock. He's would, a legitimate movie star now. Yeah. He's, 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 he's going, the, he's Marvel, going the rock path. Whatever he's doing. Yeah, yeah. Roman Reigns is top guy now, but even him, he's starting to scale back. I could see him going the Hollywood route at some point. And so, but then you've got other guys that are probably not going anywhere anytime soon, like like Cody Rhodes or Seth Rollins or other names that are maybe not quite household, but they're kind of at the top of the card for, right. for fans. Yeah. Okay. Uh, it'd be cool if The Rock found a way to buy this. So he's he. I would that'd be my my favorite. Be amazing, thing right? Yeah. He's what actually, a great story. That there's would a rumor be. he's coming back for one more match at this year's WrestleMania in April. Dude, he should unveil. It's, 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 it's at SoFi Stadium. He should show up with like private equity guys in the ring <laughs> nothing, and like sign the deal. I let me break in with Netflix. Up eight oh, percent. Are you winning on news of acquiring? Let's say. <laughs> Where is it? Uh, it's up eight percent. What they do? Uh, give it to me in points, please. Stop Netflix earnings in bips. Can I have that in, in, uh, anyway, in dollars? Anyway, carry on. Let me let me see what's going on here. All right. Uh, what is this? What is this? Unify by CAIA. Tell us. Tell us why you're excited about yeah, this. Yeah, thanks. So uh, my reason, my my primary reason initially for coming to New York this week, uh, in was addition to oh, Netflix, obviously to do the podcast million. with you guys. Oh, sorry, but, uh, <laughs> seven million new uh, paid subs for oh, wow. four million That's estimated. A huge upside surprise. Huge. That's not going to four hundred. This, this is important, Sorry, Phil. Yeah. So, uh, in addition to doing the podcast yesterday, uh, I was part, I'm part of an advisory council for this new program put on by the CAIA Association, which is CAIA, which stands for Chartered Alternative Investment Analyst. It's a big designation, much like the CFA or the CFP. Or is there wrestling? Something like there's no wrestling involved. That's okay. the one. That's one of the downsides of it. But so this the the, the traditional CAIA designation very intense, a lot of time and hours you'd have to go into getting it. More for the true analyst type of person. For a financial advisor, they want to, they're, they're building a program that's more geared towards client-facing advisors who want to become more competent in the world of alternatives, especially if they're using them in client portfolios. They want to teach them just enough to be dangerous. Yeah, exactly. Like okay. get them a nice foundational um, um, piece of, of knowledge base. And then so the way they're structuring it, there'll be like a foundational certificate you can obtain. 
uh, as well as these micro-credentials they're building on specific topics within alternatives. So a couple of the micro-credentials are getting close to launching one this quarter, one next quarter. First one will be digital assets, then private debt. So really cool group to be a part of. So that's, a what lot unif- of, that's, what, that's called Unify? Unify, U-N-I-F-I. Um, really cool program. The full program should be uh, available kind of end of this year, beginning of next year, but they're going to start with these micro-credentials uh, early this year. So, so you see financial advisors going out for this uh, credential primarily? I think this will be something that a lot, especially larger advisory firms that are allocating to alts in their models, they're going to want their um, army of advisors to be equipped to have these conversations. So I could see big RAs putting their whole you know, roster of advisors through this program as a training and development exercise. You should use me and Doug as guinea pigs. Absolutely. Tell we, us which. We, tell us which to. which one we should go for. I'll do it. For yeah, free. So, so I'll do it for free. CE. <laughs> it's a, a really great group. A lot of the like kind of heads of alternatives type roles at your big asset managers like BlackRock and Vanguard and J.P. Morgan, et cetera. So sharp people. We're helping design the curriculum and the content, and really excited to see. All what right, that, let's do some business. Uh, looks like. What is Kaya's annual marketing budget? I, I don't know. All right, make, sure. make some make some phone calls. You guys should unveil this at Future Proof. Cool. Uh, let me talk to the uh, the yeah. Kaya folks and see if we could do something. Dude, that'd be, that'd, that'd be that. awesome. So uh, we launched Future Proof this week. You guys mm-hmm. going to come? Yeah, my whole family's coming. Are you in? Oh, nice. Really? Yeah. I'll be in. Oh, no. yeah. I'm going myself and Cliff. Okay. I'm going to leave the kids yeah. home. Okay. But we're coming. Bring okay. them numbers this time. Um, it is going to be even better than the last one. I mean, how sick was Big Boy? We definitely didn't, concert? Did you call him Mr. Boy? I called him Mr. Boy. Mr. Oh, my. That's not fun. We got to meet him backstage and like, we do pictures. He's like- He was a man. Put his finger up. He's like, one sec. And he tells this guy, pass me my stunner shades. And I was like, oh, my God, this is the greatest moment. Michael goes, thank you, Mr. Boy. It was yeah. very nice to meet it was, you. It was great. It's going to be even Stunch better next to Michael was like, Mr. Boy, what tunes are you going to play for oh us? Stop <laughs> it. I was. I know the hits. I know the hits. What jams? Um, Wait, so you, who, who are we getting this year? Yeah. Well, can we, can so, we say who we want? It? No, let's not. No, sure, let's no, not do that. Really. Uh, <laughs> we're going to – so it's going to be – everything's going to be like last year but better. And bigger. And bigger. Um, Huskier. Huskier, you might even say. Uh, Future Proof 2023, if you work in fintech, financial advice, wealth management, asset management, really anywhere in the industry, and you're not there, I don't really know, like, do you even exist, right? Like, that's how, I, that's, that's how I'm positioning this. So I hope uh, our listeners who are professionals make sure that uh, they get registered because it's going to be amazing. And uh, I, think, I think one of the big things we're going to do this year is, like, give people – space that they can like answer emails and work like like yeah. s- somewhere you could plug a laptop in and have not have seat. to go back to your hotel yeah. room like yeah. somewhere you could so we're going to build some stuff like that good catch yeah, yeah. like yeah. just like basic stuff that we learned from last year M- more clarity on who's speaking when if that yeah. was if that was your biggest issue you mean, oh, yeah. for, for, for it to have been a first time event like that it was a absolute like smashing success it was awesome. you guys all we had, a, the whole we had matt middleton here this morning just yeah. going over plans for it like, like you have to understand, I, I, I grew up in the, in the wealth management profession and I, from a very young age, would go to conferences and literally be mean mugged by like 70 and 80 year olds, like pissed I was even in the same room. Yeah, how and dare you ask a question? How were, you sne- were you sneaking into panels when you were like a you be, How dare you? <laughs> you were sneaking into smart beta panels? Yeah. No, I'd, I'd have a, like, this is before. It was like almost famous. <laughs> yeah. Listen, I... <laughs> I would be on a laptop, like typing up notes or doing something, and people were like, "Could you stop typing?" Like before yeah, you bring yeah, laptops yeah. in. I was a college kid, and I told you to your face when we were there. I said, "Look around." You know, we were having drinks. Look around the room. Everyone was like younger than me, and I just thought that's how I. That's how you. You thought knew. you were the millennial advisor. 
Oh, dude, I we had Gen Z advisors. There. They were How like, cool was that? I was like, <laughs> yeah. you know, like, wait, what's no. the oldest Gen Z? We had advisors in their 20s. Yeah, like 24, 25-year-olds wow. saying, hey, Doc. I'm just like, where did and, – and it was just – the coolest thing. We had advisors who – we had advisors who were born right around the time I got my Series 7. My I think, I think uh, just conceptualizing that for me was really cool. Cliff is freaking out, like, to go. He, like, he forwarded me every email that, like, came out yesterday. I'm like, Cliff, I'm like, Cliff, settle down, buddy. We're going. It's all good. Uh, let's do this thing about um, – Let's do this th- thing about inflation impacting 92% of millennials' home buying plans. So, Doug, you're the millennial uh, expert. You're, like, known for the ad- being the advisor to millennials. I'm a relatable millennial guy. Tell us what's going on. Yeah, so um, rising rates ain't helping matters when it comes to buying homes. You know, uh, what, what I'm seeing is not a lot of price action on the downside. So yeah. na- now if it wasn't hard before, it's even harder now. So. Okay. It's just been very but frustrating. But aren't you bidding against less other yeah. buyers? Yeah, but the inventory hasn't really, you know, and I'm primarily talking about like prime markets, like outside major cities and and forgive my geographic bias to like the New York area or outside, you know, Miami or LA and stuff like that is typically where, where my clients are. So um, it just haven't really seen opportunities for people to come into the housing market and feel like they're either getting a deal relative to how crazy things were a year or two ago. It just hasn't gotten materially easier so, to right, buy a so house. Now what's or put 10% down. You can't even do that. Right. So the, the so the financing cost is up, but the price is not down enough to offset that? Right. So you still have big down payments to make. You still have to come up with a shit ton of cash on yeah. arguably still overpriced residential real estate. Um, it just hasn't gotten – whether it's gotten harder – is one thing. It just hasn't gotten easier. Uh, here. And th- everybody wants it to be easier. A thousand right. millennials looking to buy a home were polled. Yeah. Looking to buy a home in the next year specifically. Yep. More than nine in 10, 92% <laughs> say inflation has impacted their home buying plans. You're like, no shit. Um, more than one in four, 28% delaying their home search due to it. So yeah, I guess uh, I-, I guess that's just the reality of life. Yeah, like like, it, it just sucks. Yeah. It just, yeah. It just you sucks. Gotta, there's, there's not a lot you can say about it. Well, the good it, news yeah. is rent is going up. So <laughs> <laughs> there you go. I like, just, yeah, like we we bought our first home in twenty late 2018. I just feel so like thankful and fortunate. Like I didn't have to. When? 2018? Yeah. Like, it's just like you just like don't control the timing you of your, your life when you're doing when you this. you bought your house? When? When did you, 2018? When did 19. you buy your house? Oh, wow. So here's what I do. I, I talk to young people about this issue and I sit them down and I say, none of this is true, by the way. No, I do. I do. I will sit them down on my knee <laughs> no. and I, I and will. He, he crowds them out with his elbows. <laughs> and I will say, Jaden. <laughs> Tristan. Just understand, I like as bad as things seem right now, could always be worse. You could be Duncan. <laughs> Duncan is renting an Airbnb. All of his earthly possessions have been soaked. I heard this last week. Oh, I'm so sorry no. to hear that. So I, so I just say, just sorry, Duncan. understand yeah. that there are levels. There are levels. There what, are. Are we, what are we doing now? Where's, what's your story? No, I mean, I was this? just going to say, luckily, our personal property is mostly okay. It was just stuff on the ground got messed up. Uh, because it was so like, like a what? Furn- like furniture? And rugs and, and, yeah, not much furniture, actually. But it's more just the pain of having to be out of it. Did the rug yeah. tie the room together? Yeah, the rug really, really tied the room together, really dude. But yeah, the, the remediation costs is the craziest part. But why do you have to bear those costs? 
Uh, it's our insurance, technically, but our our oh. renter's insurance is capped, and yeah, they're oh. wanting seventeen thousand dollars to move our stuff out. That's insur- you, that's insurance fraud. Are you going to go back, or are you just going to find a different rental? I'll do it myself before I do that. Before you do what? Pay that much. You know, I'll, I'll move the place out myself. Right, but you're not going to go back to that building. I'm back. supposed to. They're not letting us out of our lease. You've got to be kidding me. No. Do you have an attorney? No. Do I seem like someone who has an attorney? <laughs> John, are you John? Are you giving him any? Are you giving him any advice? Yeah, as much as I can. Are you telling him to get a lawyer? How many people do you need to hear this from, dude? Get, let's let's get let's let's get this sorted out off okay. off the air. All right, we're gonna fix Duncan. We're gonna we're gonna fix your situation. They can't they can't do this to you and then take advantage of you after no. the fact. I might actually pro bono come back to come back to legal work. Just to take this case. Wasn't Barry a lawyer? Yeah, Barry was a lawyer. Oh, yeah. You know what? I got a lawyer for you. <laughs> My cousin Barry. Better call Barry. My cousin Barry. Barry's Barry's going to insert himself in this situation. And I promise you'll be happy with the resolution. I guarantee it. So uh, Reed Hastings is stepping down. He's going to become chairman. He's been doing this for a long time. Wow. Smart move. Ted Sarandos is staying in as co-CEO. And the COO is becoming co-COO. Wait, so, wait they're going to have a new CEO? Well, Ted Sarandos and Reed, have been, Reed Hastings are both co-CEO. Wow. Reed Hastings is becoming chairman uh, and uh, somebody's cool. stepping How in. How do you feel yeah. about this as a long-term shareholder? Uh, I feel good. I feel good. You'll be out tomorrow. How <laughs> much you up, percentage-wise? 50? 40, 50? 50%? Look at you. I sold it early. No big deal. I, bl- I blew it out last Listen, week. I, 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 I let my winners ride. Yeah, I like to I like to make sure I get rid of my winners very quickly. trade. All right, we're going to do favorites. Did you guys have fun today? Uh, Blast. Are we going to do it for real now? Or? Yeah. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Wait a minute. Say this first rodeo. I thought I get like a jacket. Can I start? I, now you know I listen every Michael, week. you're going first. So last week, last week on the show, I think we spoke about Domino's delivery pizza. Mm. Ivan has uh, dug a shaking his head aggressively. No, I love it. Oh. No, no. So I haven't, had, I haven't had Domino's in... I don't. I guess since since I got kicked out of college, which was a long time ago, mm. and I was in Minnesota over the weekend, and I was so excited to get Jimmy John's. I'm a big Jimmy John's guy. It was f-ing close at like eight thirty. I think it was no. Every- what is? I don't know what that is. It's just a great it's, sandwich. It's a place. sub shop. Yeah. You know what Jimmy John's is? No. Well, oh they don't God. have them out here. Oh, wow. um, I did not know. That. And so the only thing that was open was Domino's, and I was all in. Yeah. See that? Wait, that's fat. That's that's fat privilege right there. Look, you don't know what Jimmy <laughs> John's. <laughs> Why would I know? I'm from Long Island. I assumed it was a national yeah, yeah. chain. No, it's not. Okay. okay. So right. anyway, so we got Domino's. <laughs> it took two hours to get delivered. I fell asleep. My friend had to wake me to get Domino's, and it was disgusting. Uh. <laughs> and I'm, I, I thought you were going to say it was good. I, I oh, always liked Domino's. Yeah, yeah. Like, you guys are right. It's good. No, honestly, this this I'm going to I'm going to say this was an outlier because I am on Team Domino's. Like I I f- with Domino's. It was this was terrible. It was really, really bad. Domino's tech. We got what do we we got? I'm, we I'm really had, sorry you had to go through that experience. Thin crust. Yeah, it was, it was horrible. Thin, oh, thin crust is your first. Thin mistake. crust is the way yeah. to go. Thin crust oh, with no. pepperoni. Oh, I'm not a thin crust good. guy. Thin, and, and we got cheesy bread. Hello. When I want cheesy bread, I want Hello. the I want the sticks. <laughs> I want the sticks with the cheese melted on top. Yeah. Sauce on the side to gunk. This came with a fucking vat of sauce with cheese on top. It was disgusting. Oh, that's terrible. sorry for horrible. sorry for your loss. But anyway, uh, I, so maybe, if you, so my or, least maybe favorite, if you ordered correctly. So I know yeah. everyone put this in the doc, but let's just take a second and talk about The Last of Us. And I kind of thought that they were going like Walking Dead. This was f-ing dark. It was awesome. It was I haven't so seen good. it. No, I don't even know what it is. Watch it on the plane home. Do you have HBO Max? Yeah. All right. Watch The Last of Us on the way it's home. It's going to be dark. Grand Slam. Everything they do is. I have not gotten it out of my head 
It's amazing. It, I, give me more now. It's a, it's a, you know what I did? Everything they do. I went back and oh watched the first God. Walking Dead yeah. to compare the two. How, how to stack up. The it's first Walking Dead, the first half hour of the first episode was great, but then it started to get like cheesy a little bit. Mm. This like every frame of this show was like really no, well done. No, because they're professionals. Complex. It's, like, HBO. Like, it's yeah, HBO. Yeah. Complex did uh, a side by side of the game and the episode. What's the game called? What do you mean? Is the game called The Last of Us? It's called The Last of oh, Us. Oh, I didn't know that. It's based there on the game. There were some scenes that they were it, filmed the exactly yeah, like the, the game. It was when he was on the couch. And, and oh, yeah? It, I, it was identical. So, it was so even cool. the first scene in 1968 was incredibly written, right? Yeah. Where they're just talking about like the fungi or whatever. Like, yeah, yeah. So good. So we won't spoil so it for good. anyone, but uh, the girl is awesome. Yeah. She Game of Thrones. So she Right. She was the girl in the last couple seasons of the, Game of Thrones that was queen. like the last to represent her house. Yep. And she was a total badass. She's the best. She's a really good actress, it turns out. Yeah. Not just good in that role. Mm. And what's the, guy, what's the guy's name? Uh, is it Pablo Pascal? Ma, ma, uh, yeah. Pedro. Pedro, Pedro, Pedro Pascal. Pedro Pascal. Pedro Pascal. Mondo. Oh, um, the way that they messed with him to be older and younger, like cool. the flashback, like, holy moly. Anyway, it's like apocalypse stuff. I don't know if you're into but it's that not, But it's zombies. I would probably not, like it. My wife would hate it. No, so. my, my, yeah, my, I, my wife said I'm out. She, yeah. she saw. Heather can't get enough. Yeah. Oh, Sprinkles is watching it. Yeah. It's, it's so good. But it's, it's zombies, so but it's not like zombie porn. It's not only zombies. No, it, Wait, it's, no, not. it's zombie also porn? not, no, no, it's not no. traditional Got zombies. It. Gotta no. stop. I'm yeah. getting too excited. Yeah. It's like a, it's like a, a, a fung, a fungus parasite that just makes people crazy. How about the mouth? They don't look things? like oh. walking dead zombies. Yeah. It's not like that. Okay. Dude, I got friends you recalling shit. You had me a fun guy. I got friends yeah, yeah. recalling shit from the game and they're like, when's this going to, it's, it's I'm getting- a fun guy. All right. uh-huh. So I think, I think all, all, around, all around, we're all, around. We're all yeah. in on yeah. all The in. Last of Us. I was all in from the trailer. They said it's I the wasn't. second biggest HBO premiere of yes. all time. Did you see that? Yeah, Sma- it's smash head. This thing's going to be, yeah. It's not crazy because people love End of the World. The biggest as a, as like a as yeah. like a subject matter, yeah. people will ex- they'll always give it a shot. If that's the plot, I'm I'm in. The best takeaway I saw in an article was like, "This is now set the tone for video game to movie here on out. You're gonna see more." Because I disagree. Historic, disagree. Historically, it's impossible. Doesn't historically, work. Although the new Super bad. Mario Brothers looks very good. Set the tone of how to do it right and blow it out of the wall. Well, You'll, H- see H- H- You'll see a lot. You'll see a lot more. can only do so much. And everyone else is going to f*** it's it. It's Mario, so that, by the way. That was my favorite. <laughs> um, I would just add to that. Uh, so I am a Gen Xer. U2 is putting out some new music. They're taking 40 of their best songs and redoing them. They're basically like, when we wrote these songs, we were in our 20s. We were young men. And now these songs have different meaning to us. They and they want to... Changing they want the, money. Changing they the would. lyrics? Or? They, they, they want would. money. No, they not would. changing the lyrics. Uh, they they redid uh, Pride in the Name of Love, mm. and they put that on Spotify and Apple Music. So what's different? One song. It. Go listen to it. Okay. I'll, I'll be honest with you. Not, not a huge YouTube Are guy. they going to put this Same. on our phones Fair. without us saying Fair. anything? Yeah. Saw them twice. Yeah, they're going to insert it directly into your yeah. AirPods. Yeah. Yeah. I can tell you. Itel Bono went on a rant for like Just 15. one of the greatest bands of all time, honestly. I, I'm not here to say. I, I get it. You know what else he's doing? Not my thing. He's doing, I might have to go to this. In April, he's, he's at the Beacon Theater 11 nights doing like, he has a book coming out in March. So he's doing like uh, what Springsteen did. Like oh, a one-man play. show, yeah. play some music, tell some stories. I might have to go. Heather said that spring team. Show. That'll it's be hardcore three. Gen X. Like yeah. Yeah. that'll be the whole audience will be hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. Uh, all right, what, uh, Doug? Hey, we need your favorite. What do you got? 
Oh, let's talk about The Last of Us again. I, I, <laughs> I, I, I would. I would. I, I want to bring something blew my mind. My friend showed me this thing called Crisp. Crisp.ai with a K. With a K. Okay. How do you spell it? K R I S P. The website. That's what it's called. But it's Crisp.ai. It's it's a piece of software. It's a plugin for like Zoom or any video conferencing software you got. It like if if you clap, it the clap's gone. Any background noise, any echo, gone. Uh, it, it's witchcraft. Oh, so we don't need Duncan anymore. Don't need Duncan. He's gone. <laughs> okay. It it <laughs> we just put the shit on Zoom. It's free. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Love it. Wait. Honestly, it's it just same. it just gets rid of background noise. It's all it does. What else does it do? Echoes, background. If your kids are having like a blast in the background. Smacks your kids. Gone. So this is a work from home app. This this is, no. The, if you do Zoom or any video conferencing, whether you're in the office or at home, and you don't, I don't know why you would not have this. Does it work as well as the auto-generated backgrounds on Zoom? It It's flawless so far. It's insane. I, I don't know what to tell you other than go try it out. It's it's free. I have no it's skin good. in the game. Does it call you when you're having a bad day? He's, he's going to cut this out of the episode. It tells you, no, it, it tells you how many how many minutes you have. Yeah, dog, you're wasting your breath. This isn't going to make it. Sorry, it's gone. We're done. Wait, no, I, I uh, read about this. I'm curious. Does it warn your voice? Do you have to like train it to your voice? Is that how it works? It took point otherwise, one. how does it know? Point once. I don't know, dude. I don't know. You on your I don't know how it does this, but it does it. And the last thing I say is, uh, I'm an electro guy. I know no one's listened to tech. Nobody listened to techno, but uh, I do. Oh, it's really? a great Eminem Fre- reference. Yeah, it was good. Fred Fred again's latest album, Actual Life. Wait, Three. I don't. What is Fred? I know a lot he's about an artist. music. What is Fred again? He's an artist. He's an electro artist. He's, now, like, a, he's like Moby. It's like, no, not I'm even. Just, he's his. I'm kidding. I'm yeah, kidding. yeah. No, and now and now he's shown up on everyone from Skrillex. To, when do you listen to this shit? When you're dancing around like by yourself. All I listen Peloton. to is electro. No, R- running. B- workout music for BPM, you, right? Mint, Spotify. Okay. Yeah, working out. No, I listen to it all day. No, I'm in. There, I, there's certain the types car. of EDM I can listen to like when I'm like just working. Yeah. yeah. There you go. Oh, yeah. We can't do that. I hate that. I don't think you think that. I don't think you Oh God, you can't you can't play copyright Dude. music on my podcast. Why? We're hooking him up. If you're if you're a '90s yes. kid, if you're a '90s kid and you were listening to like Crystal Method or like Paul Oakenfold in high school, your friends made fun of you because you weren't listening to hip hop. So Oak, Oakenfold, I was listening to. Yeah, yeah, Paul Van Dyke. You know, you have any references that are not 25 years old though? Like, uh, who else? Like who, like who else? Rufus, do you to, to, Rufus uh, to Soul uh, is my favorite. Hmm? Rufus to Soul. Who do you listen to that's current? <laughs> Oh, I mean, I'll listen to anyone from Tiesto to Audion. I mean, you saw that. Uh, oh, the the um, White White Lotus. Thing the White Lotus. That was super yeah, yeah. cool. Like, that was amazing. Yeah. I, I know to name drop like Tiesto, like the biggest of the big, but the guy just keeps crushing and so crushing. So Ben, and crushing ben and crushing. just slacked me. Here's a tweet for you. I predict Reed Hastings will come back to Netflix as CEO. Oh, oh wow. that's good. He just stepped out five minutes ago. Right. Not bad. Not bad. Anyways, uh, Fred again. Is he well, confident in that assertion? <laughs> <laughs> All right, we'll check. We'll check out Fred again's latest album, Actual Life Three, um, when we're making TikToks. Yeah. All right, <laughs> it worked. Phil, what do you got? I got a few things. Uh, TV show. My wife and I found this the other week. Uh, Monday Night Raw. Weird title. It's called <laughs> The Sex Lives of College Girls. Oh, it's, my wife it's not a that. porno. Uh, it's on HBO. Oh, then I'm out. Uh, it's freaking hilarious. Mindy Kaling's the creator. She's not in it, but it's like these four girls that room together. This like small like uh, private. It's, a co- it's comedy. Yeah, comedy. Like like okay. laugh out loud, funny. Love it. I didn't realize. I think it came out like in 2021, maybe. Mm. But yeah, we're just really enjoying that. Um, book. What, I, what is that on? Uh, HBO. Okay. All right. So then, I said I'm a Netflix shareholder. Book. I I started on the way out here. I'm almost done with it. It's called uh, Unreasonable Hospitality. 
Uh, if you like Danny Ma- Danny uh, Meyer's book, uh, Setting the Table, Setting the table like yeah. this One is the guy favorites. that ran in front of the house for Eleven Madison Park. Okay. Mm. And so it's just really about that restaurant, how they became like number one in the world and using this like approach to hospitality. Obviously the food was very high quality, but I think there's a lot of really cool lessons you can learn in any business around hospitality and just surprising people to the upside and this like all the shared need we all have of like feeling like we're, like we're being taken care of. Yeah. And just going um, like a like little going bit up, extra. Going above and beyond and just like yeah. wowing people with like attention. There's so detail. many parallels to the restaurant business and yeah. our business. And there's so many cool stories and the anecdotes in there about yeah. like things they've done for like, customers and all that stuff. So I'll, I should finish on the uh, plane ride home. Is that, tomorrow, a new, is that a new book? Yeah, I think it just came out. Oh, so okay. re- really, really good. Enjoying it. And then uh, podcast, if you're an Ele- advisor. Wait, 11 Madison Park in its day, I think was the number one restaurant in New York. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And they went vegan now or something? Nobody yeah. goes there anymore for some reason? Nope. Yeah, I don't know. And that, I don't think, I don't know if he's involved Duncan's in it anymore. smiling ear to ear. What? <laughs> vegan. Well, no, I think they, I they think are, they yeah. are, they're considered to be the best vegan restaurant in the world now, right? Yeah. Okay. Have you been? I haven't been. When's it's your birthday? $300 when's your, a person. When's your birthday? Uh, August 27th. Okay. I'll keep that in mind. Take them. All right. Uh, and if then it's, one, one, if, it's, if it's still in business. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And then, yeah, one uh, a podcast I've been enjoying is called the Alt, Alt Goes Mainstream. Uh, it's hosted by Michael Sidgmore. He's a, a venture guy. Uh, he does a lot in like the kind of alternative investment, like technology uh, space. But he's had some really cool guests, like CEO of Carta, CEO of uh, Franklin Templeton, f- uh, founder of iCapital. Those oh, sorts very of cool. I would guests. listen to that. Yeah, it, it's like if you're if you're interested in learning more about like alternatives, obviously you go buy my book, That's The good. Allocator's Edge. But also listen to this, this podcast. You, know, you see, this guy just snuck yeah, in a, plug, a book. Right. 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 No, it's all right. No, say it's, it again. What, what's your, say what's it your again. book? The Allocator's, uh, the Allocator's Edge. Edge uh, oh, right. A modern stuff? guide to alternative Wait, investments it? and the future of yeah. diversification. Yeah, we're pumping stuff. What do you got? I have my new Substack. Tell us all about it. This is the top. Oh, that's a great name. It's a good one. I can't believe that wasn't taken. I know, right? Like, yeah. You know who used to make that it's joke very good. all the time? You're doing good. Uh, Lindzen. Yeah. Every every like every time he'd be like, this. "I remember when we got our office space here." We're both Schlemiel's. in January 2018. <laughs> he's like, "This is the top." Yeah. Like, yeah. The day we moved into our why office. Why is why it brings me? On why did you podcast. name? Why did you name your Substack? This is the top. Uh, because you find yourself saying that, and it's just one of those things where you have to question, like, does it get better? This might be the top of Substack. Yeah. No, no offense. It's all down. I've read Doug's first couple of posts on it, and they're, they're great. So I'm glad it's you back in the room. All right, I'm all in. Good. I'm going to yeah. subscribe. Cool. Uh, how often are you writing? Weekly. Okay. You think you stick to that? I did it 80 times before COVID. Dude, I haven't written a blog post in three weeks. <sighs> I, but you're, I don't know you're what's going. wrong with me. You're going. You're fine. Mm, you, can afford, you can afford to do that. I don't I think I know how to write anymore. You know what goes on? That's a true story. This is going to happen to you. Oh, no. I'm like too entangled in so many things. It's already happened. I write one sentence and I'm like, who's going to get pissed off that I do business with? That's where I am. <laughs> Isn't that sad? But I'm, I'm lucky. I, I, I have an offer. What say I need to do is quit this stupid fucking firm and get back to writing. Yeah. Just be a full time. No, I can't, I can't say anything anymore. It's a, it's, I, this is a longer conversation. We don't have yeah. to have it now. Um, but that's, that's where I am. And so I just like gave up. You'll be fine. Uh, Will I? Do you want to write for This Is The Top? It'd be great. I want to write pseudonymously for for This Is The Top. Just don't tell anyone it's me. Dude, let's go. And say what I really want to say. Go for it. All right. All right. Listen, we've said it all, right? What would you say? Good show? Great great show. Michael, was this good for you? Here's the music. Are you already listening to the Netflix conference call? It's very He's buying more shares. All right. Hey, uh, amazing job. Phil Huber, Doug Bonaparte, two of my all-time favorite people I've ever met in this industry. Not not to overstate. Truly. Thank you so much. Truly. We love you. We really love you. You're both uh, you're both menches and smart and funny, and we love you guys. Thank you so much for coming. Thank you. Everybody, follow Phil. Everybody, follow Doug. 
Check out their recommendations. Amazing job this week, Duncan. Great job, John. Great job, Nicole. Sean, well done in the dock. Hey, everybody. We will see you next week. All right. Now let's get warmed up. Yeah, here we go. I knew I was waiting for it. There it is. (laughs) Okay.